The Bernstein and Holmes Show. I gotta figure out what to do with this uh, box of cereal. We're gonna throw it away. That is not to be saved. Do not eat that on the shift. Do Why? not. No, we're throwing it out. No. I'm not dealing with your. It has to be. No. A, no, there has to be a ceremonial consumption. No, there doesn't. Why are you the way that you are? It's not even stale. I hate so much about the things that you choose to be. It was an empty ceremonial gesture to bring closure to the Eddie Jackson era. Guys should embrace their hair. They shouldn't always have to go with the super short hair if they don't want to. Like, let it breathe. The problem is when you do the big hair and the beard, you end up looking like animals. Have you seen Animals Drum Battle with Dave Grohl? It's awesome. I've been waiting years for this animal. Now we see who that. So Dave Grohl really (laughs) says he's been waiting years for this for the drum battle with animals. It's so good. Oh, what's that? A bell? Time for school. On Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Gotta love a 57-degree sunny day on February 20th in Chicago and 62 tomorrow. How about it? Everything's fine. Everything is just fine. This is the parable of the slow-boiled frog. Yes. So be it. Because we're here on this Tuesday, broadcasting live from the Hyundai Studios, brought to you by our local Hyundai dealers. Lawrence Holmes is back from the desert. I am. I'm back from my second shingle shot. shot. But you got to do it. You're shingling, baby. Go ahead, baby. Go ahead, baby. You got to do it. Because you don't mess with it. Yes, and it's it's a horrible. Yeah, right. It's really bad. So so if you, if you're if you're within the range, go get your shingles shot. And then I'm recovering from what happened yesterday. You know, we're dog sitting, and I walk the dog. And How much longer with Maggie? I got two more days. Great. Maybe three. I think two more days. I went and saw but, my guy Pudge last week. All right. I, but I got a, a, a bird crapped on me yesterday. Oh, did Maggie laugh? Pretty much. She was in a mood. She was not letting me move her. She was investigating, like she was smelling something and just like wouldn't move off the spot and just had to like smell every bit of that spot for like five minutes. I'm like, come on. And, I, and she's hunkering down. I'm trying to pull. She's like, no, I'm not going anywhere. So I said, all right, okay, I'll just, whenever you're done, you're done. And then a bird crapped on my shoulder. Bird crap on my shoulder. Well, I went, to, I went to go see my guy Pudge last week yeah. because I had a Christmas gift for him. Ah, it was a little late. A little late. What'd but you get him? I got him, I got him a, a little sandal, which to much mm. to Pudge's mom's dismay. Sure, because then that's going to normalize the idea of eating shoes. And I was like, hey, not my problem. <laughs> Your problem. <laughs> Pudge took to it pretty quick, too. I He's bet. like, Yeah. Oh, we can eat these. I uh-huh. didn't know. I I didn't know that these were food. Now that oh, awesome, cool. These are new chew toys. Yep, yeah, it has like the little rope on it too, so you can play tug of war you're with a them. Bad guy. Yeah, you're you're a bad guy. Yeah, but that's that's my little dude. He's Our, like, ah! It reminds me of that Allen Iverson uh, when he had that like interview about the young 76ers. I love my little dudes. I think he was obviously a little under the the influence. Hey man, a little greenery. 
I love my little dude. Hey, he's become the uncle. Like, I think that he's done a great job of becoming the uncle in the NBA. Well, Shaq has taken that role, too. Yeah, Shaq, Shaq's a bit, but Shaq is a little bit more of he still cares about, like, the game. Right. So there's still, with AI, it's like, you're great. Let me help you be even greater. Which Shaq's like, y'all some bums. <laughs> y'all are some straight up bums. Well, we'll get to some of what he said also a little bit later on in the show. Uh, Shout we, out to Mac McClung, by the way. He, yeah. he he needs that money. Yeah, he's a dunker guy. Like that's there are great great dunkers who are not very good basketball players. Mm-hmm. Like professional dunkers who do tricks. They're not basketball players. They're dunkers. Is so, it Kil, is Kilgallen, not the comedian? The- the high leaper. Yeah, there's and well, I mean, Chris Bruton was like that former Bulls draft pick who joined the the Globetrotters as a dunker guy. Yeah, well, I'm I'm here for Mac McClung. Like if if he's going to be bouncing back and forth between the league and the G League, make that money in in these these contests as long as you can. Hey, he said he was going to do two dunks that we've never seen before, and he executed it. The alley oop to himself was dope. Yes, like that was crazy. And then the jump over Shaq, right? It's pretty wild. Yeah, with Shaq wearing his, I think my uh, like, what was it, college jersey or whatever? He's wearing Mac McClung's high school jersey. High school jersey. Yeah. My favorite part was Jalen Brown doing the D Brown, but after he had dunked the ball. The whole point of the bit, the covering the eyes, is you cover your eyes and still dunk it. It made Not me, it made me dunk wonder. it, and then oh. You can't see me. I can't see you or something. It made me wonder if he if he like threw it in last minute or he really practiced it and just got cold feet at the last minute. I don't know. Man. Well, considering that you're trying to pay homage, you know what? We'll talk about it later. But it's really ridiculous. Like, uh, come on, man. The producers are Ray Diaz, Tyler Ferengul, Brandon Fryer, and Connor O'Donnell. Studs is hung over from his birthday. Happy Nine. birthday, and, Studs! And planned food, off day. Food. Hungover. He's apparently bringing in homemade sausages. The Studzinski family recipe kielbasa that he's he has promised before, but we've never seen. So I guess they're finally on the way in. That's, Good. That should be nice. I'm very happy for him. Happy birthday to our guy Studs. And Good Polish kid. And welcome to Tyler. One of the Tylers here. Of the, score. of the score Tylers. Yes. yes. Hey, Tyler, where do you rank among the Tylers? I like to think I'm number one. There you go. I like All right. It. I like sorry, like sorry beauty ball. There you go. I like, I like the confidence. That's fired. Let's go. Jerry Reinsdorf is apparently in Springfield lobbying for a handout from a governor who already is trying to find enough money to take care of the problems that face the state and his initiative for early childhood education and care. That's really important to J.B. Pritzker. So my hope is that the answer stays the same from the state of Illinois, and that is you need you need a bridge or a road. You need an exit ramp. We can talk about some of that stuff. But as far as a baseball stadium, you pay for it. Oh, and they they will. They, they will definitely need to do that if they're going to build in the 78. They'll absolutely need some way for people. There needs to be expansion. Of of a monumental nature, I I've been frustrated, and I shout out to score listeners and callers this morning, and we're going to take some calls. Hopefully, we have the same luck with it. 
where I do think that in some of the cases of people trying to lobby for this, there is a fundamental lack of the geography of the city. Which is why one of the homework assignments that I passed along to people was just go over there. Just go drive over. Here's what, here's what you can do. You can take Lakeshore Drive down to Roosevelt Road. Take Roosevelt to Clark. Take Clark to 18th. And then you tell me on a busy day what that's going to look like. But the, the, just people not even understanding the geography of the South Loop then not understanding the geography and the infrastructure that is already in place on the South side at 35th street is appalling to me. It's, it's clear that some people have never been South of Cermak and some of, some of these people are acting as if, or they have never taken public transportation to a White Sox game because it's fairly easy to do. So I'm glad that there there are some people that are now like pushing back and being like, well, wait, there's nothing wrong. Your ballpark isn't falling apart. Your ballpark's fine. And the state's still paying for it. For a while. For a long while. Like till 2034 or something like that. This is is a huge no. This is a flashing light, neon sign, get out of my office, the answer is no. Tell your story walking negatory, hanging the I'm not interested sign on there. I think that we're we're both in lockstep on that. What the General Assembly has to say about it might be different. And partially the reason that it might be different is that throughout the history of the Republic, politicians are susceptible to numbers that allow for them to say something has improved. If the folks who want to build the stadium and Jerry Reinsdorf are able to convince people, look at all the jobs that I'm going to create. Look at all of the, the economic boost that that particular part of the city, which doesn't need This it, has all been is, debunked, though, was, by, by peer-reviewed studies. Read everything that J.C. Bradbury has done I, over the years. I would, I would offer, Dan, that a lot of people in power have not read those studies. It's, it's a boondoggle. Or have ignored those it's studies. It's a boondoggle. It's all BS, all of the bringing jobs and bringing all of this economic value. You know who gets the value? The owner. Yes. That's it. Well, I mean. You're, you're lining the pockets of a billionaire with public money. As, as and the answer is no. As business theory goes, Jerry Reinsdorf's a genius. Why, why, allow, why pay for it out of your own pocket if you can get someone else to pay for it? There's a part of me, and, and I've said this, and I'll, I'll keep saying it publicly. This does feel like, to me, the first and second steps to, I tried. This, this feels like I tried really hard to keep the White Sox on the south side. Even though they're already on the south side and don't need a new building. But the state and the city couldn't get together to give me money. So... Unfortunately, I've got to take the team to Nashville. Tear. Sad. I'm me so sad. I got to take the team to Nashville. That's what it feels like. But the thing is, is that I, I think that right now, and to me, it's hard to separate 
Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner, versus Jerry Reinsdorf, the lobbyist. If I were one of the people in the assembly, I would have questions about, if we give you money, why are you not giving players money? Why are you still one of the, the lower tiered owners when it comes to <laughs> We're contract We're not going to sign Otani. Why should, if, if this is for the public good and you look at the White Sox as the public good, then why have you not done right by the people, the, the citizens of the city of Chicago and the county of Cook and the state of Illinois by putting the best product possible on the field? If you are asking for state-of-the-art best product possible from the state of Illinois to allow you to to reach into the coffers of the state to build you a state-of-the-art place to play that you're not going to pay for, you get all of the benefit without any of the liability. And that that just isn't right. If it's such a good deal. Why don't you build if it? If it's such a good deal, you should build it. You should own it. That's right. And then you know and what you we'll, can, we'll help you out in that regard. Yeah, you can, but you build you it. You can build it, and then the property will be assessed, and you'll pay property tax on it. There. Done. And you can have it. If, if it's such a good deal, why are you releasing news of this at 6 p.m. on a Friday before a holiday weekend? Because you know how wildly unpopular it is. That's all you needed to know. When I left here on Friday and that news broke as the sun is setting, like, oh, now we've got a price tag on what this is. Like, that's like, oh, by the way, it's what it's going to cost. This is what we're asking for. What it's going to cost you. And the, the argument, there's a lot of arguments against it, but one of the arguments is, have you done everything within your power with your own money to make the White Sox a world-class organization? Now, I think when it comes to the behind-the-scenes stuff at the White Sox, a lot of it is. When it comes to the actual on-the-field product, the answer is a resounding no. Resounding. And, again, and this is, this is one of the more important parts of this, there's nothing wrong with your stadium. Guarantee rate is not falling apart. No, it's nice. It's really nice. And convenient. The infrastructure is there for people to get in. Your whole identity has been being in that neighborhood. And I'm all for like a facelift, but guess what? You got one that we're still paying for. And apparently, and actually two of them, the initial stadium and then all of the rehab because you didn't get the stadium right in the first place. So we're supposed to trust as a state, as a county, and as a city. We're supposed to trust that this time you won't pass up Camden Yards. Because that's what you did the first time. We're supposed to trust that you're going to get it right and not come back to the city, the county, and the state 10 years later and go, I know this isn't exactly what White Sox fans want, We took their feedback, and now we're going to make changes. But we're going to need more help to turn the seats from blue to green. To cut off the top level so that it doesn't feel like 
you're watching the game from an airplane. To put in windscreen so people don't feel like their lives are in danger when they go to the upper deck to watch games. All of these things were given to Jerry Reinsdorf. And the job was done so well that there's nothing wrong with the stadium. And yet, here you sit wanting to abandon that neighborhood that is taking care of you for 40 years. You want to abandon that to go two miles so that you could gentrify your ballpark. You want to do that? pound sand. Or you pay for it. You can do it. You're a private business person. If you want to enter into a private business arrangement, feel free. Do whatever you want. Go ahead. If it's that good a deal with that much positive economic impact for everybody involved, you do it. I don't want to. I'm not paying for it. I'll tell you that. We'll see what the governor has to say because that uh, case is being pitched today downstate. We're the Bernstein at Home Show. 312-644-6767. I know you said that this would be a, a good opportunity to take a few calls. Yeah, I, I would like to hear from the people on this. And I think that there, I think it's been a really good run of phone calls on the score this morning. I'd like to see that continue. My hope is that, that the, the Bernstein at Home Show gets a bunch of good callers, too. I know we're taking a risk. We're taking a risk with our own money. That's what we're doing. So we'd like to hear from you on this. Like, what was your reaction when you heard that the 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 price tag for this would be a billion of your dollars? That's next here on the score. Bernstein and Holmes. I hate being a fan of this team. On Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. Well, nobody's made an ask yet. So uh having said that, uh, I think you know my views about uh you know privately owned teams and uh, you know, whether the public should be paying for private facilities that will be used by private businesses. Having said that, I mean, there are things that government does to support business all across the state, investing in infrastructure, making sure that we're, uh, you know, supporting the uh, success of business in Illinois. So, you know, as with all of the other, whether it's sports teams or, or other private businesses, we'll be looking at whatever they may be suggesting or asking. Translation, you need an exit ramp, come talk to me. That helps everybody. Maybe a bridge to connect something to another thing. You need to make a a two-way road into a one-way or a one-way into a two-way or expand a road. Then we can talk. But as far as just underwriting and subsidizing your private business, no. River taxis, Dan. No, thank you. That's how people are going to get to the White Sox game. You mean river taxis? They're so much better than the CTA. Yep. Yeah. And what could go wrong? Well, they're also really expensive. What could go wrong? And who's taking them? Is somebody taking it from from south to north? Or is this something only that's going to take people from... Joliet? From- <laughs> get on the river. We're taking the CalSag Channel. Yes. Into the city. Off we go. Off to your left is I-57. <laughs> Off to your right is also I-57. <laughs> hey, where's the Top Golf? <laughs> That's the I-88 corridor.
It's different. different. We asked for phone calls. We got some phone calls. This is somebody who claims to be named Bear on the road. Hello. Hey, guys. How are you today? We're good, Bear. What's on your mind? It's a beautiful day in Chicago. And I got to tell you what, guys. You guys are spot on on this topic. Congratulations on doing the right thing and saying the truth. You know, we as taxpayers are still on the hook for over $300 million for the existing Comiskey cell, whatever you want to call it. We have not paid a nickel on the principal for when that stadium was built. And, of course, we know what's going to happen here is the billionaire wants average Joe to pay for it so he can make more money, and it's wrong. The fact is, listen, guys, I'm like you. Uh, I'm blessed. If I want to take my family to a ball game, if I want to have season tickets, I'll do that. But the average individual can't afford to go to a Cubs or Sox game and pay $15 for a beer and 12 bucks for a hot dog and 40 or $30 for parking. So we then can give Jerry Reinsdorf more money. It's wrong. We appreciate the phone Thanks, call, Bear. Bear. Stay prayed up. <laughs> Countryside, here's Pete on the score. Good morning. Hey, Pete. I'd like to say I kind of piggyback on what the last guy just said. I'm tired of the taxpayers having to foot the bill for this stuff. They still owe a ton of money on the last place, which is a perfectly fine stadium. It's a great place to take your family to enjoy a game, but it's expensive. The average person can't afford it. And then you're going to talk to me about spending all this money, which in the end, there's what reports show you that you're going to gain the benefit by spending these hundreds of millions of dollars to build this thing. Let these teams who make an exorbitant amount of money pay for them. It's just like, just to say, to add on the Bears thing to it and going on the lakefront and stuff, the Bears still owe, or the city or the state owes, 600 and some odd million dollars for that ugly spaceship that they put on top of Soldier Field. But, Come on. But the Bears at least are doing it right. I think if the Bears the Bears bought the land in Arlington Heights, the Bears ultimately, I believe, are going to go build their stadium there. Yes, but they're also kind of like, hey, hey, what can we get in the city? Huh? Well, they're huh? just trying, they're trying to lower their property tax bill. I, I think you're right, but it's possible that they, too, would like to take some of the state's money. I think, I think it makes more sense to own your own place, but that's just me. I just think it's hilarious that today, the, the front page of today's Tribune, the banner headline, Budget Challenges Confront Pritzker. It's a migrant crisis and projected shortfall way on spending plan ahead of address. And it talks about everything they're dealing with right now and everything that matters to Pritzker talking about Smart Start Illinois. Yep. Which is to improve access to child care and early childhood education. He said he said could spend all his time working on early childhood issues, quote, and it would be the light of my life. 
unquote. He said, it is truly the state budget that if we balance it, allows us to invest in the things that really matter. Well, I, I'm going to hold you to that. I'm, I, wi- I'm with you, big fella, but I'm going to hold you to that. I, I want to hold him to that, too. And the thing is, is that the environment is a little bit different now than when Jerry Reinsdorf held the city hostage back in 88. You had a Sox fan mayor and a Sox fan governor that were able to pull a lot of strings. They even did time travel, moving clocks back so that things could get done by a specific date to allow for stuff like this. The fandom part of it is different now. The landscape is different now. The platforms on which the governor and the mayor of Chicago have run run opposite to giving welfare out to billionaires. I hope that they stick to their guns in that, or else then they're going to have a problem with the people because they will have lied to them. Adam is in Atlanta. He's on the score. Hey, Adam. Hey, guys. I want to offer the perspective of somebody who has already been uh, subjected to one of these boondoggles in Cobb County because the name of the game for Jerry at this point is control. He thought originally, at least I'm assuming he thought, that getting a stadium provided to him by the state was the way to go because, you know, Jerry doesn't like to spend any money. But, of course, when you can't control the land and you can't control everything around it and build the way that you want to, now all of a sudden you want to have that, like what the Braves have. So what you had back in the day with the cookie-cutter stadiums is now going to now be replaced by Truist Park, where they're going to just make Truist Park everywhere with these new stadiums. They price out fans. They're going to make it so that the parking is so damn expensive that you'll have to walk, which is what you have to do in the Atlanta, well, the Atlanta, in quotes, stadium. They just want the control. They don't care about the fans. They don't care about the experience other than bringing in the quote-unquote right clientele. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they Mm -hmm. might as well just call this place. You know, they might as well just rename themselves the Flight Sox at this point because that's what they're going to do. It's it's the same concept, the same white flight crap that they did in the past. They're going to do it again. And it sucks because... I was at the park, you know, yeah, I'm a Cubs fan, but I was at the park when it first kind of opened, like the five years after, and it looked terrible. And the difference between coming out of the pandemic and that being the first place I saw and what Sox Park is now, it's so much better than what it used to be off of that, you know, fixing of the park. But he's going to try to do it again because this is Jerry being Jerry. Flight socks. I like that a lot. It's interesting, too. It's a great call. It's a great call that, that, Adam, you bring up what happened with Truist Park because this was the focus of the man I mentioned before, J.C. Bradbury, who is the economic professor at Kennesaw State University, who actually does peer-reviewed studies of the claims of economic benefit, and he has debunked them. In that specific case... Cobb County's decision to help the Braves move away from downtown Atlanta was is costing taxpayers nearly $15 million a year. That $15 million that could be spent on other things. Cobb County committed to financing $300 million. And Bradbury noted that the elected officials touted the deal as a home run for the county that would increase property values and drive more tax revenue. That hasn't been the case. His report shows the increase in property values Cobb has seen since the stadium opened is not any greater than in neighboring counties. 
Sports stadiums do not have a broad economic impact. Why do we keep talking about them like they do? Because there will be people who will run interference for the owners and they will give you made-up numbers to make you think that this is going to be good for everyone when in in the truest sense, it's really only good for the ownership group of the White Sox. And I'm not trying to tell them that they can't make money. I'm fine with them making money. But to ask for public money so that you can make money and then, oh, well, on the back end, everyone else is going to be fine too. No, they're not. Like when, when the guy was talking about, when a bear was talking about parking, oh, they're going to have 4,000 underground spaces at this thing? Yeah. If you think that, that spending $25 on parking is a lot of money, and for a lot of people it is, good luck with what this is going to cost you. And there's also a, some pushback in some circles about underground parking at all due to terrorism issues. Yeah. There's a lot here, Dan. There, there, There's a lot. And... What they tried to do, and we pointed it out when it happened, and we received a lot of pushback. What they tried to do is offer you pretty. Look how pretty it's going to be. And for a while, that worked. People were like, well, of course they should have this pretty building. The White Sox deserve a pretty building. And then we said to them, Wait till you hear what the ask is going to be. And now you know. And now your ballpark doesn't seem that bad, does it? Especially when someone's trying to put their hands in your pocket multiple times over. Because remember, you're not getting in free. You're not getting a a rebate off of the taxes and the, the hotel taxes that you're spending to go to games for free. You're still going to have to pay for parking. You're still going to have to pay for a season ticket package. And guess what? Those numbers are going to be a lot higher than what it is that you're paying right now. They're going to get you both ways on this. It's also the idea that because it's a hotel tax, that it's being paid by people from out of town. That's not the point. The point isn't who's paying it. The point is where is the money going? And where that money was supposed to be going versus giving it to a private business. That's Lawrence Holmes. I'm Dan Bernstein. We'll take a few more phone calls on the other side of a brief time out of the score. Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on 670 The Score. They might as well just rename themselves the Flight Stock. Line of the day so far. That's going to stick. I think. Nice musical choice, right? Thank you. Get it? Fly away. Got to uh, get uh, away. Uh. Got to fly away. Yep. The flight socks. We don't want to be anything like the Cubs. We want to be exactly like the Cubs. Come on. You know it's a bad neighborhood? 78. Wrigleyville before. Oh, was. Yeah. And actually, if I'm not mistaken, some of the crime, crime, some of the actual data in the Roosevelt Corridor is worse than Armour Square Park. Yep. Considerably so. Yep. It's fine. 
I'm sure that they'll do some maneuvering. It'll be some fancy numbers. It's an illusion. And everything will be fine. Look at all this economic impact that we're having. Are you? Because then we got to start talking about the people that you're going to have build it. And then they're probably friendly. And how many women-owned or minority-owned businesses are you going to use to help build it? That sort of thing. Oh, well, it'll be jobs. Well, what about the jobs you're leaving behind over at 35th and Shields? Don't talk about those. Don't worry uh, about those. Economic impact. They've oh, got surveys. Surveys, a massive economic last impact. Last I checked, Bridgeport and the 78 are in the same city and county. Huh. And actually, the, if the, the property values in Bridgeport, not doing too badly. Correct. Here's Dan in Geneva. He is on Sports Radio 670. Hey, Dan. Hey, I uh, am a big Sox fan, um, and uh, this ask, just the ask for the money makes me angry. Um, I haven't, I wear a baseball cap probably every day. I haven't worn a White Sox cap since February of last year, thanks to Mike Clevenger. Didn't go to a game. Uh, first game was at the original Comiskey. My dad took me. I didn't know or you know when I'm going to wear a White Sox hat again, but I think I know now. It's when I go see them play Milwaukee because I won't go to a game here because I'm so angry just asking for this money. And that's before you even get to the baseball. Um, it's confusing, and, um, yeah, it's uh, it's strange. And uh, the little bit of baseball joy that they provided last year was the 24 hours where I thought they were actually going to – hire new management and uh they didn't and that was 24 hours not even and that's all you get and uh yeah so it's uh just asking for it bothers me it should he's right it should the it, the, the the chutzpah the gall of now of going to hey 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 governor how about you give us a billion dollars and the 400 million tiff funds tax increment financing no. How about no? No. That's the the answer is fairly simple. I've got I've got much more important budget issues to take care of people who need that money a lot more than a, bi- well, a billion. Well, then uh, you know I know the mayor of Nashville. Okay, great. Good Bye. luck. Have fun. Enjoy. See ya. I think that's the other part of it too. And and I'm in obviously I'm in the same boat. I've made a big deal about I have all this sock stuff and I have to like give it away. Like I'm exactly where our last caller was like, why in the world would I wear socks gear? And he's right too about, Oh, well, Kenny and Rick are out. Maybe think, Nope. Immediately. No, I'll be this guy. Oh, you're not going to do a search. Nope. Huh? You're, you're not going to look at women and minority candidates. No, we we even got a waiver. We got a waiver from the league to not do that. Not even that. You're not going to use the opportunity to get all of these free looks and free conversations and legal ethical conversations about the best possible ways to do baseball they business. Don't, but they don't want that. They uh, want to do uh, baseball business the way that they want to do baseball business. Correct. Give us a billion dollars. No. Jonathan in Yorkville, welcome to Sports Radio 670, The Score. Hi, guys. Um, I just have um, a couple things. Um, one, I actually 
read an article recently that it's rumored that the Bears may not be moving Darlington Heights at all. Well, they they want you to think that because they're trying to negotiate with the school districts there about their tax burden. Are you are you right. hoping that you put the two together in some place? Is that where where this is going? Well, yeah, I guess so. I mean, remember how the Cubs and Bears used to share Wrigley back in the day before Soldier Field was built? Yeah, but that was a long time ago, and it's. I, I know it was. I mean, that's. I don't I know if thought, that really is. There even is. Is there even a place where that still exists? Oakland was probably like the last place that that existed. Last time right? we would see the seasonal crossover yeah. playing on the wrong field. Yeah, I don't. There's no. There's no other place where that's even a thing. Is there, Ray? No, not to my knowledge. That, that that's the last. What Dan just said there. Oakland was the last time I could think of anything like that. And I don't think that is a thing. No. Going, it's not going to be a no, thing. No. No. That's the last thing. I mean, thing the, the importance of field conditions for every sport. Come on now. Think about that. It actually seems amazing. That was, it was, that rel- was the thing yeah. that was done. It was somewhat regular to actually see baseball dirt in the middle of a football game. Middle of a football field in the NFL. Rogers Park. Joe, you're on the score. Yes. Okay, so... Um, my question is this is when they, uh, when they get rid of Comiskey park, right. And they're going to build that stadium, you know, and they're going to pay whatever rent, right. They're guaranteed. So many people would be in the stands and everything. Just so it was the economic value there for this, for Sox park. Cause we're talking about just tearing that thing down and then building them a stadium and then trying to get the bears downtown too. That'd be an absolutely amazing and I can't see why the why the uh, why the mayor wouldn't uh, at least have one of them has to you know repurpose Soldier's Field because you can't tear it down, right? Correct. Or Soldier Field. Either way, it used to be Soldier's Field. No, it's fine. It was Soldier's Field at one point. I don't think it was. Was it? Mm-hmm. Is Soldier apostrophe s? No. Soldiers with an s. Like the jewels. Yeah. It's it's fine. I don't think that the Bears are going to be downtown. This is all a long game that they're playing. Oh, now we're interested in coming downtown again. No, you're not. See, they're going to do it right. It's just going to be expensive. These things are expensive. you got to spend a little money to make a lot of money, and that's what the Bears are eventually going to do. Yeah, spend a, a little up front to make a lot on the back end. Right. Unless you're Jerry Reisdorf, where... I'll spend the state's money so that I can make a lot of money on the back end. The medium end, the back end, the front end, because it's not my money. Yep. Let's talk some buckets. Let's talk with our friend Trista Crick. Get her thoughts on the All-Star Weekend and whatnot and Doc Rivers and whatever that thing is that they got going on up there in Milwaukee. We'll do that next here on The Score. When you were growing up and and, and you were playing – uh, with the guys, and in middle school, you want to play on that team, and they wouldn't let you play on the boys' team. They said you should be playing with dolls. Uh, we've come a long way since since those days, but you represent so much here on this night. Just continuing to use my platform, and I think a night like tonight shows um, a lot of young girls and young boys that if you can shoot, you can shoot, and um, it, it doesn't matter um, if you're a girl or boy. I think it just matters the heart that you have and wanting to be the best that you can be. Sabrina Ionesco, you can shoot, you can shoot. 
not exactly the greatest weekend for the NBA. For many reasons, it seems, internally and externally. There's You can hear the grumbling from here. But let's talk about that and more as we get to the post-All-Star point of the NBA season. Our next guest is Trista Crick, who you can find on Twitter at Trista underscore Crick, host of BetMGM Tonight, weekdays 6 to 10 p.m. on the BetQL Network, NBA podcast Heat Check with Trista Crick, and she joins us on the Circus Sports Illinois Hotline. Download the Circus Sports app today. Trista, how are you? What's up, guys? It's hey. been a minute. Thanks for having me on. I want to ask you about the party that you, you hosted. So is it Tom Brady, Vince Vaughn, Wayne Gretzky? How did this thing get going? How did you become a part of it? I, I honestly still can't believe that I was asked to do this event. So I got a text message from our partner at MGM, and I've done an event with them once before in Cincinnati. There was um, an opening of their sports book uh, at the Red Stadium, and so they asked me to, to host something with Kenyon Martin and Icky Woods and Sean Casey as the Cincinnati Legends event and host the panel. And so I've done it once before. And so I get a random text and they're on site at the Super Bowl, which is, you know, where we were in Las Vegas. And they're like, Hey, you're not, you don't happen to be in town Sunday afternoon still, do you? You're not headed out, are you? And I said, no, I'm actually in town till Monday. Hey, could you meet us at the, uh, we want to have a conversation over maybe at the book, just meet us at like noon. And I'm like, Oh yeah, no problem. So we're hosting this event and it will be you uh, on stage and it's going to be rolling out our new Super Bowl commercial with 50 VIPs. And it will be you, Vince Vaughn, Wayne Gretzky, and Tom Brady. And I just look at them like a dog confused. I ah. just tilted my head. <laughs> Why? How come? How come me? And, uh, and it was not a spoof. I, I must have, the backups, backup must have canceled. And so they had me there. It was just probably a matter of opportunity. So I was in the green room with them for probably 25, 30 minutes. And they were just chopping it up about really like anything, everything. I want to say they were talking a lot about the John Madden new scripted series that I think is going to be Hugh Jackman. And Wayne Gretzky was, and Vince Vaughn were just absolutely disgusted by that. So we had like a, confab of who should actually play him we settled on jim gaffigan but alas we were not consulted that's amazing but see that's the thing if if you you stay ready you don't have to get ready and, mm-hmm. and we and we know that that trista stays ready so she's ready for for this interaction besides the green room stuff was there anything that you thought out, out of sitting there with with those legends that you thought was so interesting that the public didn't get a chance to see Yeah, you know, I thought Tom, in general, is a star. He cussed a lot. Like, that was something that really stuck out. He dropped F-bombs more than me, and that's saying a lot, guys. That's saying a lot. I thought what was really fascinating was he talked about how his mom still hates on the 49ers, still to this day. Like, she hates Brock Purdy, hates Shanahan, hates the Niners organization because he grew up as a Niners fan and wanted to play for them, and they passed on him. So his mom, who's, who's 70 years old, is still like, F Brock Purdy, F the Niners. He's like, Mom, I don't even play football anymore. You don't need to root for the Chiefs simply because I was overlooked. And she is, was aggressively uh, against teams that passed on him his entire career and even post, which reminded me so much of my mom. 
and actually made me give my mom a little bit more slack. But yeah, man, he was, he had tons of little nuggets like that throughout the hour and a half long conversation. And then Vince Vaughn, Vince Vaughn did a lot of the Q and a between them. And he was incredible. He was one of the best hosts I've ever seen for a comedian celebrity. He was curious. He had tons of follow-ups. Uh, yeah, he was he was really fascinating uh, in his own right. So wait, your mom was out here like hating on other golfers and stuff when you were a kid? My mom hates on other media personalities right now. <laughs> right now. Right now. <laughs> That's great. Shout out to mom. I like that. Yeah, she'll, she'll call me in the middle of the day and be like, did you see what so-and-so posted on Twitter? Ugh, what a terrible take. I'm like, Mom, these people, I don't, what, there's no reason for you to have this poison spewing out of your mouth right now. I just think what they said about you two years ago, F them. I'm like, no, like, let it go, dude. It's cool. Like, there's no problems. Well, speaking of, of going back into the time machine, um, I follow Trista on, on Instagram, too. Young Trista and young Patrick Mahomes, those those interviews have resurfaced like thinking about where he's at right now, how do you view those conversations that you and him had back then? Yeah, it's I, I think about it every time they continue their reign. And I think about the two conversations, one with him, one with Kelsey. The one that really sticks out is how Kelsey how sus Kelsey was on Mahomes. Really thought that it was gonna be hard for Patrick Mahomes, this Patrick Mahomes kid to fill Alex Smith's shoes. And he was dead serious, right? So that I always think about. Every time I see Kelsey and run into him at these events, I'm like, remember when you were kind of shady to the taking over process of this young quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, and then you guys proceeded to just become a dynasty? And he laughs about it all the time. And, and Mahomes, he just kind of had this killer mentality from the beginning. But fun fact, uh, Lee Steinberg reps Pat Mahomes and before he was drafted, I was offered to interview him on Radio Row, and I turned it down because he wasn't a big enough name. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of the big regrets. So let's talk some basketball. I keep trying to find out how naive wow. how naive were the NBA powers that be in thinking that they could just have meetings with some of these multi-billion dollar individual corporations that we call NBA players and say, okay, guys, uh, we're going to try this year, right? Hey, it'd be really awesome if you guys, you know, played some defense, you know, come get out there and try and, you know, play a good game for everybody. And they kind of nodded their head like, uh, yeah, no. It's always funny because you can tell they just agreed and then did whatever they wanted to do. They're like, yeah, sure, that sounds fine. We'll keep it competitive, 186, 212 or whatever it was. That sounds fine. Uh, I don't know how Adam Silver thinks he's going to get the competitive nature back into the game. The athletes are smart enough to know that their brands, their monetary value are wrapped up in their ability to play the game. And no one's trying to get hurt out there. There's not enough on the line. There's no reputational risk with, like, playing worse or, you know, being Luca and just shooting from half court and hitting the top of the backboard. There's, you know, there's only downside for them to try in terms of getting hurt, in terms of becoming a meme, all that, right? So I think you should do, do what Major League Baseball did 
and make the winner of the East-West. If you're going to do East-West, I think you should make the winner of that all-star game get home court advantage for the finals. Then I think you would get some sort of skin in the game. I think there needs to be more money for the players, and I know they're already getting paid a lot, but we saw the in-season tournament guys played harder. They just did. I mean, especially considering they had a bunch of young guys on the team that weren't getting paid uh, as much as stars like LeBron did. So I think there's got to be a reimagining, and I know Adam Silver tried this year to make it competitive by going back to the East-West format, but I think Team USA versus the world would be another way to do it, and I know that if if it's a a country-versus-country type of a thing, there's going to be a lot more competitive spirit. Or you can do, you know, Euro Euro League players versus all NBA players and try to see if there's some sort of competition there because we're going to get a lot of Euro League players in the draft this year and the NBA is continuing to get more global. You know, Luca was a Euro League MVP before anybody here knew who he was. So maybe that's a way to get people interested in these European players. But the way that it's formatted now, no one's ever going to try. They're just going to continue to make it an exhibition. And they just want the break off of the long slog that is an 82-game season. Tristan, what do you think they need? Why do you think players are not involved in the dunk contest? Because you and I have both been to games pregame where we see incredible dunks of guys just warming up. Why not go out there and and not leave it up to Mac McClung to, to entertain us on NBA Saturday night? Fear. I think it's ego and fear. I don't think, I think once the stars stopped doing it, it became kind of not cool to do it at all, right? Like mm. Jalen Brown felt kind of out of place being there, right? It was like, wow, he's kind of too big of a name to be in the dunk contest, honestly, and didn't really give us much. So I think it's Twitter, right? It's social media. Guys don't want to get clowned on the internet, and really there's no upside for them to do so. I think it needs to be mandatory if you're an all-star that they and you're a good dunker that they can select you. And I think that would make it interesting. But it's, it's clearly that these guys used to care when we were younger. You know, when I was growing up, the dunk contest was super meaningful. I remember tons of, like, the Vince Carter one sticks out, number one for me. But, like, even Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine, that was kind yes. of the last time that we saw a super hyper-competitive Uh, dunk contest so I think you've got to reimagine the rules there too and kind of like force guys hands but I would love to see you know John Morant compete and Edwards compete and if they're in it they're going to bring their best stuff I hope yeah it's it's frustrating because the thing is like what one of the big arguments was and I'm considerably older than you but one of the the arguments was well every dunk has been done and we see guys whether you're on YouTube or just in the streets like all the dunks have not been done. And I think that Mac McClung has done a good job of like, why don't I bring some of that creativity to the contest and show you that there's all sorts of stuff that can happen. Imagine what that looks like if it's Jason Tatum, you know, a better athlete doing some of this creative stuff of, of how that would entertain everyone. Wouldn't it be kind of cool if the professional dunkers became like, you know, like the voice and they get their own little mentors if each player competing in the dunk contest had a professional dunker help them create their, you know, dunks that they were doing. And they can just kind of showcase even these professional dunks 
that they've already conceived in their mind and they can just execute it kind of like creative directors or choreographers and dance because clearly they're not thinking about how to be creative as much as these guys were. You're right though. Like Lawrence, like I was on Instagram that night and saw dunks that I had never seen before. So I think that's kind of a trash argument that everything's already been done. Well, I also think that there's a lack of understanding that a professional dunker, these aren't basketball players. They're professional right. dunkers. And in some way it's like if you ever watch golf's long drive competitions, some of the long drive guys are good golfers. Some aren't so good. They have a they have a very specific skill that's a different sport. So I think to say that we just now the basketball players have to do this, if you really wanted to get the best in the world, they're not NBA players. thousand percent, yeah. If you want uh, to bring excitement back to the dunk contest and you don't care about it being big names, then just bring professional dunkers in. I don't think I would have a problem with that. Um what do you think of what's happened? And you and I have had this conversation about the Bulls, but now that the trade deadline is come and gone and the Bulls have done nothing, what do you think? Well, one of the funniest things that I saw <clears throat> was that uh, and Mark Eversley was, was on the short list to run the Charlotte Hornets. And I thought to myself, isn't that just kind of the same thing? You know, I don't know if necessarily he's done anything that leads him to getting another, you know, job in this spot. And I don't know if even that's a better job, right? The Charlotte Hornets are a mess. But I, I think you and I have talked about this a few times. I, I have no faith in this franchise to do what is required to rebuild. I think they remind me of a lot of story franchises that rest on their laurels and they continue to just want to sell tickets. And that's fine. And that's the Dallas Cowboy approach, right? I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan. I know that Jerry Jones cares more about you know, ticket sales and merchandise and getting people into the door than he does about fielding a product that we know can compete for Super Bowls. But I think it's even more disgusting for the Bulls. I think that people inside know that this is not a team that's going to compete for anything. But they're taking advantage of fans, like loyal Bulls fans knowing that they're going to show up because this team can compete with the Milwaukee Bucks on a Tuesday in January and take it to overtime. To me, that's unacceptable. This thing needs to be torn down completely. And it, it's, it's actually pretty shocking that a team that has had that much success in my childhood kind of is a laughing stock of the league. What do you think of what's going on in Milwaukee? Oh, man, it is, it's delicious. Right? As a Portland yeah. Trailblazer fan, it's delicious. Doc Rivers has been throwing players under the bus. And J.J., thank God, J.J. took to the ESPN streets and aired his dirty laundry because when they lost to Memphis, I watched that game. And they had Gigi Jackson out there who's good, but they had a bunch of random G League dudes out there beating up on the Milwaukee Bucks. And, and Memphis was actually up. 15 points at one point during this during this game. And then Doc Rivers comes out after the game and says some guys had their heads in Cabo and some guys wanted to play. I think Doc was obviously the wrong choice to be a head coach there. But who were you going to choose? You, you fired Adrian Griffin, a first-time coach, in the middle of the season when he was number two in the East. The whole thing is a mess. I don't know if Giannis and Dame and Brooke Lopez are all getting along. It doesn't feel like it's meshing. It feels like there's going to be some sort of athletic article that comes out, you know, in June, uh, right after the finals that uncovers the, the dismay that this team is under. Right. And like, I don't know how you solve it. 
I know that they could probably turn it on at any given time, which makes me scared, but I just don't think that they will. I think that they're a first-round exit team. And I'll tell you who is uh, interested in watching this is probably Drew Holiday because one of the great, truly underrated basketball players in a long, long time. And I I think after the fact, to understand what he meant to that team's identity on both ends of the floor, his level of of professionalism was underappreciated. And defensively, and you talk about the try factor, and I'm not saying that Dame doesn't try because he does. He tries on the offensive end, and I think he's sort of trying on the defensive end. But it feels like this team can't get up on a night-to-night basis, and Drew could have been the fire that everybody thought that Giannis was because it's clearly not Giannis that's leading this team. Otherwise, they wouldn't be losing to Memphis right before the All-Star break. Trista, you're the best. Thanks so much for giving us a few minutes of your time. I love you guys. Back at you. That's Trista Crick. Always love having her on. So let's get into some of these potential all-star fixes and some of the silliness. There's that- a lot of like people like walking into metaphorical landmines and stuff. <laughs> there's, was- all, there's all sorts of weird stuff going on. I don't really think it's fixable, nor should it be. And that's okay. The idea of it might just be done, which is fine. You're there? All right. We, I, we, I have been for a while. We need to talk this out. Let's do that on the other side of a timeout. It's the Bernstein and Holmes Show here on The Score. The Bernstein and Holmes Show. Dan Bernstein, Lawrence Holmes, powerhouse pairing, 10 to 2 every day. On 670 The Score. And to the Eastern Conference All-Stars, you scored the most points. Well, congratulations. Giannis, to your team, this trophy is yours. That's so great. I like courtesy of TNT. Well, well, that happened. You, you score the most points. Shrug emoji. He tried. He had these top secret meetings. Hey, guys, you know, come on. Play hard. If I'm Adam Silver... Why y'all want to turn me into a villain? Because he's done everything he can to be a bridge between the players and ownership. Why why you got to make me out? Why you got to play me for a fool? I've tried to do everything I can. Ja Morant. I've tried to do everything I can. Draymond Green. And you guys are still... Just, I'm here to be the, like the nice parent, and you're still taking advantage of yep. me. Then he's going to turn into Manfred, and they're not going to like that. No, he won't turn into Manfred because he actually likes basketball. He does. That's the difference. Did he yeah. ever play? I don't think so. He's a University of Chicago guy, right? And then Duke Law, I think. But Manfred. Manfred's like, why do you, why do you need an Oakland team? you got the Giants right here. Uh you don't get it, do you have, sir. Do you have any idea how baseball works? It's it's not just about a a market that has an MLB team in it. It may be from your perspective, but actual fans of the teams think about it differently than that. What? Hey, man, Rob Manfred's having so much fun. You stop. Too much He's fun. He's having so much fun. The Bernstein and Holmes Show. Dan Bernstein, Lawrence Holmes, powerhouse pairing, 10 to 2 every day. On 670 The Score. And to the Eastern Conference All-Stars, 
You scored the most points. Well, congratulations. Giannis, to your team, this trophy is yours. That's so great. Highlight courtesy of TNT. Well, well, that happened. You, you score the most points. Shrug emoji. He tried. I mean, he had these top secret meetings. Hey, guys, you know, come on. Play hard. If I'm Adam Silver, why y'all want to turn me into a villain? Because he's done everything he can to be a bridge between the players and ownership. Why Why you got to make me out? Why you got to play me for a fool? I've tried to do everything I can. Ja Morant. I've tried Draymond. to do everything I can. Draymond Green. And you guys are still just. I'm here to be the, like the nice parent and you're still taking advantage of yep. me. Then he's going to turn into Manfred. And they're not going to like that. No, he won't turn into Manfred because he actually likes basketball. He does. That's the difference. Did he yeah. ever play? I don't think so. He's a University of Chicago guy, right? And then Duke Law, I think. But Manfred. Manfred's like, why do you, why do you need an Oakland team? you got the Giants right here. Uh, you don't get it, do you sir. Have, do you have any idea how baseball works? It's, it's not just about a... A market that has an MLB team in it. It may be from your perspective, but actual fans of the teams think about it differently than that. What? Hey, man, Rob Manfred's having so much fun. You stop. Too much He's fun. He's having so much fun. He's got to retire. He's having so much fun. Why is he also telling us about a retirement that's like five years out? Because of the fun that he's having doing this. He's on the tour, man. So I've, I've read these All-Star Game solutions that you, it gets to the point where you can't tell what's tongue-in-cheek and what isn't. Okay. Somebody actually, have you seen the stuff that's going on with these LED floors now? I don't like it. Well, I don't like what happened this past weekend where, where Sabrina and Steph were out there shooting and they were green. I didn't like that at all. You know, somebody brought up NBA Jam. It's two-on-two two full court. I can't do that. And you have... A guys like on fire or certain spots on the floor you can get to. I don't know if they give them the giant heads. They don't. They can. They can run giant NBA Jam heads on. So that was one thought, and things just got increasingly bizarre. I, I don't like the idea of home court advantage and the finals having anything to do with this. You know what? Get get everybody together, have a bunch of parties, do a red carpet fashion show, and do charitable stuff. Yeah, and don't even play a game. But that's already kind of done. See, to me, I think that you can you can have all of it. What Steph and Sabrina put together was outstanding. Like that, that was a lot of fun. Hey, well, somebody better tell Kenny Smith about that then. Yeah, let's. Kenny Smith what was got that? got real weird talking about this. I think she should have shot from her. She should have shot from the women's line. That would have been a fair contest. I still root for Sabrina. I still root for Sabrina. We all are rooting for Sabrina. No. What she should have shot from the three point line that the women shoot from. Why are you putting those boundaries on her? That's not a boundary. She That's what the game is. She wants to shoot. They have a smaller ball, don't they? She shot a WNBA ball. WNBA ball is smaller. She shot with the WNBA yeah, but ball. She, she should have shot from the line. In, in, there's in a the women's team. tee in golf and there's a men's tee. For a reason. No. 
Shoot a shooter, shoot. Is that what you said? Yeah, but they shoot from where they shoot from. No. Thank you. No, no, no. Sabrina, good, good job, job, Sabrina. No, but, but don't let any man put boundaries on you like him. Uh, well, then give him a regular ball then. Don't let give him any man put boundaries on you. Give him a regular ball then. It's not fair. Not sure. She made 26 points. Her point total would have been good enough to get her to the final against Dame. She wanted to shoot from there. That's the point. And if she were playing golf and she wanted to tee up where everybody else was teeing up, she would do that too. And yes. to try and like make the bring in the comparison about the the WNBA ball. Oh, she should have shot with the WNBA ball. Like that's a different issue, dummy. Like seriously, I, but, but the whole thing about but, but reaching for the golf comparison is if he thought that was checkmate. Yeah, as Reggie's like, I've been having this argument my whole life because my sister's a better basketball player than I was. Yeah, when the two of them were hustling people at Venice Beach by playing games to eleven and letting them get to ten nothing before Cheryl took over. Right. <laughs> How you gonna tell me? Right. It played out in my own house. I scored 40 today. How many did you have? I I had 100. Oh. That's more than 40. Oh. How many? Well, it was actually 105. So, oh. And that, that, that was just really strange. Let her shoot from wherever she wants to shoot from. Yeah. And her, her and Steph worked it out. And they, what I like about it is, what, what I think players should take from it is, they created an event. This has never been done before. But the two of them got together and said, what if we did this thing where we shot against each other? And both of their competitive spirits came out. Steph was trying to win. Steph was, do you hear the stories about when she was practicing? Steph's out there like, hope you don't shoot no bricks. Like, was playing mind games, like, the whole nine yards. That's one step uh, below the Larry Bird. Which one of y'all MFers is playing for second? <laughs> well, Larry Bird had said some stuff, too, this weekend about... About competition? Yeah, and, and how he was embarrassed for you know, I- I- Indianapolis. And I I get it. You don't need to be embarrassed for Indianapolis. Come on. Why? He loves Indianapolis. Yeah, I know, but Indianapolis has no reason to be embarrassed. They're just, he should be embarrassed about show. Indiana State. Finally get ranked, and then you lose. Well, the problem that a lot of people have, let's let's face it, Jordan ruined a lot of things for a lot of people because of this idea of he would, you know, he'd step on his own mother well, to win a card too. game. But, but you know, I mean, because we, we have to talk in present tense, Dan. Like, these kids, they weren't following Jordan. They were following Kobe. Well, Kobe is an offshoot of Jordan's Of course he is. Pathology. We, we know that, right. but these kids are not looking back to Jordan. They're looking back to Kobe. But psychopath. And even that, psycho. Jordan was a psycho. There was something wrong with him. Something very, very wrong with him. That was the problem. Say, well, yeah, that's how you're supposed to. N- no, not everybody needs to be a psycho. Yeah, but you also don't need to go out there and and I'm actually okay with like Dame shooting half quarters because it is supposed to be there's an exhibition element to it. Right. Just like Kevin Garnett throwing him the ball off the, the backboard to himself and dunking. And if you can do that, but what what there used to be is that there was kind of this unwritten rule of we're gonna have fun for three quarters. The game's gonna be about even. And then we'll play for real. Well, the last time I remember quarter. that, it was it was the Iverson Matumbo game. 
Oh, it's been later than that. That was great. It's been it's been later than that. It's but been that in was- the last decade where that was still the case. And there was the there was the charitable component where the teams would they would play the CBA rules where you win a quarter, your charity wins something, you win the of uh, the second quarter, or you use then the, you the, use the, the aggregate, in, uh, whatever. All I'm saying is that we're not far removed from the game itself having a competitive element. It doesn't have to be 48 minutes of you guys, you know, running Nolan Richardson's stuff. You don't have to do that, but a little bit. There were two fouls called in the game. Like a a little bit of competition would be fine. Maybe we should just in the Bulls because they love competition and competing. Winning, not so much, but competing in the competition is really, really key. For them and their lives. I think that this is probably the idea of the NBA All-Star Game. It's a great gathering. The, the idea of, of, the, of the game isn't the point. Everybody looks forward to the weekend. And I oh, lo- yeah. And for I different lo- reasons. I love what, what J.J. Redick said, too, is start things on time. He had a terrific rant. He's like, look, my kids are staying up late on a school night. So start things on time. But that's that's partly our fault, too. That's media capital M's fault, too. When you tell people, what time are the Bulls playing? At 7. That's not when they're playing. If you, if you get to the United Center and you see, oh, well, yeah, seven's when the broadcast starts, but tip-off won't be until 7.08. What time are the White Sox playing? Seven o'clock. No, they're not. First pitch will be at 7 11 because they're going to do all the stuff. So th- while I agree with what he's trying to, to get to, it's the broadcast partner's fault that the game, and, and some of that's inventory. Why does the Super Bowl start at 5 38? But at least it does, at least they tell you. With the Super Bowl, they tell you when to turn when, on the TV when, and they're not lying. With, with the NFL overall. Games usually kick at noon. It's the best thing about rock concerts at Wrigley Field. Because they have to be out. No rock and roll time. No Madonna two hours late. No Lauren Hill. Well, Madonna shows up. She's just two hours late. Those, those, I love Wrigley concerts. Most of them. Some have been good, some bad. But I love the fact that they start when they say they're going to start. I, as I get older, I, I value that. Are you kidding it's the best. When, they, when ACDC said they're going on at eight, there they were. I've never understood that. Oh, I'm going to make him want it more. Like, we paid for the ticket. We clearly want yeah, it. We're, we're here. We paid a lot of money for the ticket. Got a babysitter and everything. Oh, right. 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 We, we want to be here. We'd like to go home now because it's 10 o'clock and you're just tuning your instruments. Lauren. When the, when the mic check guy comes out, everybody goes crazy. Yeah, yeah, mic check guy. Check one, two. Check one, two. The guitar tech comes out. Everybody's like going crazy for the guitar tech. I still think that there could be a lot of fun on NBA All-Star Weekend, but I think that it's incumbent upon the league to try and create events. And I think that they, they, should, st- they should look at what, what, what's happened with Sabrina and Steph and say there was something that was created. We've never done that before. 
Now let's like it almost felt like the three point contest was an afterthought. The the actual three point contest, the because Steph and Sabrina were invested in making it an event. You could do some of the crazy stuff that the NFL is doing too if you want. You want to go send guys out, out on a golf course? Feel free. Or how about this? You want to settle a beef? You got beef? Cool, Jimmy Butler and Cat. One on one. We'll ref it. But you guys play 211. You want to sell your beef? Here's your opportunity to do that. These are dumb ideas. But but there are they smarter can't be people any, than I that can't can come be any up with dumber, smart ideas. Any dumber than any of the stuff we've actually seen. When people are saying live NBA jam, I think we've reached the point of uh, of no return in that regard. Well, you can't do the full court. It's got to be half court if you're going to do it. We've got high noon coming up next. When to call the cops, when not to call the cops. I have a Black History Month baseball question for you. I'll be back this way on Monday. We'll settle this then. Right there, out in the street, in front of the Palace Saloon. Yeah, right. When? High noon? We spent the first hour of today's show putting a big flashing no on whatever lobbying proposal Jerry Reinsdorf is trying to attempt today to begin to extort taxpayer money, a billion dollars worth, to pay for his new building. No, 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 no. You want it, you pay for it, you build it, you pay property taxes on it. No fancy artist renderings or AI drawings or anything like that is going to change the fact that you waited until late on a a holiday weekend Friday to sneak in the announcement that you're going to ask for a bunch of taxpayer money that could be better spent for much more important things than a a building your sports team doesn't need. Then we talked to Christy and talked about the All-Star game. So, Dan, MLB threw out an Instagram post. It is Black History Month. I wanted to see how you would do oh on boy. this. Oh, boy. Okay. Now, to be fair, I want to be fair here. This does not encompass the entire diaspora. Because the question is, can you name black players with multiple MVPs? There would be an argument that Albert Pujols would be on that list. But he's not. On this particular Frank list. So Thomas. we are talking. Hold on. Let's l- allow people to hear the question. Black American multiple MVPs. Go. Frank Thomas. Correct. Barry Bonds. Correct. Hank Aaron. No. No. One of them played in this city. Well, I gave you Frank Thomas. Mm-hmm. One, one more played in this city. Multiple MVPs. Wasn't Andre Dawson. Got the right franchise. Are you counting? Did, no, Sosa didn't. No. He wouldn't be on this list. Even though he's black. black. So it's only African-American. Cubs? Multiple MVPs. All right, we'll jump off of that. Keep going. Who am I forgetting? A lot of people. Oh, Ernie Banks. There you go. 
One of them has a lot of Wh- MVPs. Did Willie Mays? Willie do Mays, it? correct. Did Campanella? Yes, did it. correct. You've got two more. One of them won a lot of MVPs. Frank Robinson. There we go. One more. Wasn't Stargell, wasn't Parker. Right era. So we're talking 70s? Mm-hmm. Wasn't Reggie? Nope. Oh, this is this is a great question. I you're, you're I mean, you're, no, you're I'm doing in, okay. Morgan? There it is. That's it. You got them all? Okay. Very good, Dan. Roy Campanella, Willie Mays, Ernie Banks, Frank Robinson, Joe Morgan, Frank Thomas, and Barry Bone. Barry Bone. Black American multiple MVPs. Cause Who's the next one? Well, we were hoping it would be TA. Seriously, like if you if you start if you did a draft right now. Mike Trout. No. <laughs> what? <laughs> Kevin Lapka. Because McCutcheon got one. Yep. And he isn't going to get another one no, at this stage not of his career. 38 or whatever. And is. did Prince Fielder? He, I mean, he got a batting Aaron, title. Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge will be the next one. Maybe. Not if you keep him in center field, he's going to fall apart. But he's he's already got one. He so. does. But if you if you look at the aging curve for guys who are 6'6 or taller, they drop off fast. But he, he also gets the benefit of the New York bump. Okay. So I, I'm thinking. I'm just saying that if you're asking for who's the next likely person to join this club, Aaron Judge statistically is the next likely has, person to best chance. Yeah, to join the club. And I apologize to all of my member, all of my members of the the diaspora that are not represented here. But that's another issue for another day. Meet Matthew Lashinsky, 23 years old, of Farmingville, New York's Long Island. Authorities say that back in June at about 3.30 a.m., Lashinsky called 911 to report a burglary at his purported business establishment, Quantitative Laboratories, LLC. Seems like your type of guy. When Suffolk County police officers arrived at the scene, they found broken glass at the building's entrance. And as they looked around, the officers investigating this burglary also discovered a clandestine lab that was used to make methamphetamine knew it. and a hallucinogenic called dimethyltryptamine, or DMT. They said, this- You know a DMT? This defendant, yeah, you know me, was operating a Breaking Bad-style drug lab and tried to conceal it under the guise of a legitimate business. He then inadvertently turned himself in when he reported that a burglary occurred at the same business. What did they steal? They stole my meth and DMT! (laughs) Officers ultimately found more than 100 items of lab equipment as well as chemical reagents and solvents to produce and manufacture meth. They also recovered $40,000 in cash an undisclosed amount of ecstasy, over three ounces of methamphetamine, and over 625 milligrams of pure ketamine. The DA said officers found two dozen 55-gallon drums containing a drug similar 
to gamma-hydroxybutyric acid, or GHB, known as the date rape drug. On Thursday, Lashinsky pleaded guilty to nine charges, including multiple counts of criminal possession of a controlled substance. <laughs> what? When you pick up that phone, there's been a burglary here. You gotta, like, you, you gotta, you gotta walk it through. And be like, just maybe think that through. That maybe the whole meth lab. Once you've decided to do that, you've probably voided your opportunity to have the police come help you out. Even if, even if you were truly burglarized, you probably were burglarized, and this happens all the time if you're in the dope game. But you can't be like, hey. Someone came and stole all my illegal dope that I was getting ready to sell. Or money or whatever it was. They're like, oh, yeah, we're just well, going to. Why don't we look around? Why don't we take a look around and see what. Oh, how about this? What's going on with this lab down here where it smells like meth? I don't know. Don't worry that, about that. That was here when I got here. I, I, I don't. They didn't steal any of that. Don't worry about that. No, we're going to be fine no, that, making that, our drugs. That, that, that's good. They didn't take any of that. They just broke the front door. They broke down the front Tried door. Stuff. I was out here getting information for Joe Sheehan. <laughs> it, they stole my... Bitch stole my meth lab. Damn. Should have thought that one through. That's high noon. <laughs> Next up, we're going to hear from Tom Ricketts. Oh, yeah. We should probably talk about the Cubs. Well, at least when they wanted to rebuild their stadium, they asked for the the amusement tax. <laughs> they were told and, no. And the city said no. And they said, okay, we'll pay for it ourselves. Yes. And they did. And they released all the rats. Remember, they dug everything up, and then the rats and we, we went everywhere. And then they bought up all the land, and they bought up all the rooftops, and they built everything up. They don't now, seem to be buying up a lot of contracts, and, though. And now they have it. And I they mean. A, and they have a lot of money. They've added a couple of people to the team. But they're not necessarily. I, and, and I think they're good additions, but. Their names. Their names. But, I mean, come on. Oh, and, and by the way, we both got the answer wrong about who to take number one in the next black uh, two MVP draft. Who we got? Mookie. Well, Mookie and, and Aaron Judge are sitting on one. Yeah, but Mookie is going to. More sustainable. Yeah, he's going to age way better. He, here's the problem, though. Mookie has two MVP candidates on his um, own team. He's still Mookie, though. Like he, yeah, he's a he Hall was, of Famer right now. He was now. Mookie last year. Yeah. Did he win the MVP? No. Okay, then. The lead, It's actually, I disagree with you and the texter. It's actually now easier for Aaron Judge to get his second MVP because Otani left the league. And whose team is he on? Mookie's Aaron Judge. with Freddie Freeman. Aaron Judge stays healthy this year. If, he's, if he stays healthy enough to win an MVP, I'll buy chicken. Oh, all right. I like that idea. Chicken. Mm. We'll I check in on the, uh, and the Cubs and them not having MVP candidates. Next. My message is pretty consistent over the years, you know, and, and for me, it's all about fans, you know, just treat our fans like gold. Um, I think I, I like to remind the players that, um, you know, this team means so much to so many people and uh, we're all we're all just um, honored and blessed to be part of an organization that that um, has so many fans and how much those fans care. And, and so um, I just like to remind the guys to that, um, you know, number one thing for me in the world is treating fans great. 
That's Tom Ricketts on his annual address to the team, what he said, and he had plenty to say, because the Cubs have in some ways straddled the line between building up excitement for this season and then not really pushing it totally over the top. They're biding their time, waiting for some big ticket items, perhaps. Maybe waiting for the market to change. Maybe trying to dictate the market when it comes to their particular roster and what they want to do as far as payroll goes. I I thought that this would be uh, an offseason where the Cubs could really do some crazy stuff. There would be time to spend that money. Yeah, and- I mean, it felt it felt like 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 to me. Maybe I took the wrong thing from the council hire. Maybe it's I was looking at it as a oh win now mode. Oh, you're high, You're giving $40 million to a manager that makes a difference because you're in win now mode. And maybe they're saying, no, oh, we still are in the building mode. And we just wanted to make sure that once we get to where we're going, we have a manager that's not going to cost us games. I think that I can think a couple of things simultaneously. I can hold in my head at the same time, the idea that Cody Bellinger at the moment is asking for too much money over too many years to fit his statistical profile and the chances of him being worth that money. I can also hold in my mind the idea that it's on the Cubs to suck it up and maybe spend a little money that isn't the the most possibly efficient use of all of those dollars because that's what the market might bear to give them the best chance of winning right now. So why don't we hear what Tom Ricketts had to say specifically about Cody Bellinger? With respect to Bellinger, like I'm, I'm like everyone else. We're just waiting, you know, we're waiting for um, whenever, uh, whenever he and his agent are going to engage, and uh, you know, it could be, could be any time now, or it could be a few weeks. We'll just see where it goes. Without any additions, I mean, do you think this team has what it needs inside to, to be better than they were last year? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think Jed had a really good offseason. I mean, I think we've, we've added some parts that are going to be really, really um, beneficial to the whole, and I, I don't see any reason why we wouldn't be favored for our division this year. Tom, can you communicate with Scott Boris this winter, or is that relationship still kind of where it's... You know, I, I don't... Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't talk to Scott. Um, I think one of... One of, one of one of his like uh, kind of signature moves is to go talk to the owner. But I think when you do that, you undermine the credibility of your general manager, and um, are you, you know, so you you kind of like get, get inserting yourself into that negotiation. Uh, I, I don't think that helps. So I, I I don't talk to him. You use the word waiting. I guess the follow up would be waiting for what? You know. I don't know. Honestly, don't know. I mean, that's that's in that's up to those guys and. Uh, we're just going to wait until we get serious. On one hand, I do appreciate Tom Ricketts understanding the game that Boris likes to play. Because usually the owners themselves are easy marks. And not participating in it. Like, I I hired a baseball person to handle baseball things. That gets back to what we were saying about Kevin Warren and the comments he made about Justin Fields. But, he and did, about, but he's not a football person. But ex- ex- again... He's a building guy. But that was that's why it was curious... That he didn't say, I've got a football guy. I'm not going to give opinions. We, you can; th- Those are all questions for Ryan Poles because he's in charge of football. But he didn't say that. But he's not the owner. But he's, he's the closest thing to it. 
as but, far as but he's still not ownership. Like it's it's not George saying it or Virginia saying it. You want to ask Virginia what she thinks? Does she stop following the Bears as well? Is there a Virginia McCaskey Instagram account? Oh, you better believe it. Thirst trap after thirst trap. I'm, see, that's not where I was going with it. I was thinking she was just going to have like inspirational memes and be like, stay prayed up. <laughs> that's, you know, that would fit. Quote from, stay the, prayed up. from the Dalai Lama. Whatever it takes, you know, yeah. like maybe she's got some recipes that she wants to put out here. Um, but the other part, though, is while I appreciate you not necessarily wanting to be in on the process, you can't be the, well, I'm just like you guys. Like, we're all just kind of waiting around to see what happens. You're actually in a position to force the action. You don't have to just react. You could tell Jed, hey, I want to get him. And maybe you have. I want to get him, but I want to get him around here. What do you think of this? Where am I? Where am I right? Where am I wrong? You're not an innocent bystander, is my point when talking about Tom Rick. It's like you're you're a central figure in this. So I'm glad that the I think that was Jesse asked, waiting on what? What you waiting on? Well, it gets back to the same question that Jed wouldn't answer last week when when Megan asked it. Have you done enough? Well, Tom and says he said, yes. He said I, I like our young players. Tom said enough to win the division, which extrapolates we know into technically enough to win the World Series, right? Because in baseball, that's how it plays out. And he spent a lot of time talking about the Diamondbacks too, and being happy for them, even though they beat the the Cubs a lot in the last month of the season to give them the wild card shot that the Cubs probably should have had. Uh, there was more. This is real interesting to me. Because it does have to do one of the reasons I thought the Cubs were in a better position to do stuff, to strike this offseason, is because it felt like the RSN model around baseball, it was a dying model, and the Cubs already have their network, and they own it. They don't have to worry about it. Here's what Tom Ricketts had to say about that. TV's a challenge for everybody right now. Um, I mean, just the, the way people are... are consuming media is is switching from the traditional linear cable model to more of a streaming model and we're going to have to adapt i mean we've already started we do have you can stream marquee which is something that got off to a really good start last year so we're, we're excited about that this summer to see how many people do that um but it's it's a it's just a big economic issue for the league overall and um hopefully you know over the next you know next few years we'll be able to figure out how to uh you know serve the fans the you know the right way by letting them watch games how they want to watch games and still maintain a lot of the economics that have driven the league for so long okay he's right like the it has changed but i was looking forward to the cubs taking advantage of the change and not for marquee like taking advantage of hey there's other teams, teams are hurting other teams are hurting maybe we'll be able to make some trades because they can't handle the the financial constraints of losing their RSN and having to, to reevaluate how they're going to do this. And they haven't as of yet. There's still time. Nine more days until I start worrying. At least. Your arbitrary deadline was March 1st. Because mm-hmm. you feel like, because you're already in games. You know, they'll play their first game Saturday, right? Cubs, White Sox will kick off Cactus League play on Saturday. and. Or Friday, and then you, then you know, 
you need it at bats to get ready. Well, maybe they'll have that kind of camp they do every once in a while where they get all the free in agents Schomburg? together somewhere oh. and just kind of hang out and let them get some work in. Borosville? Ricketts was also asked about the Cubs' budget and how it adjusts in a championship window. The budget is determined, you know, as as we, you know, boil out the expenses effectively. So it's not like we say, okay, now we're going to, you know, uh, you know, we're going to spend a bunch and go for it or championship window. We're trying to be consistent. I mean, the goal is to be one of the teams that is always trying to win the division and um, and every year has that opportunity. And and so we tr- I try to look at the budget much more consistently than, you know, than let's just go for it one year. What would it take to then expand it? Well, effectively, um, more revenue. <laughs> like, I mean, we, you guys, you kind of forget. Like, we 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 do have a lot of revenue, but we have we're about we pay a lot in taxes. We pay uh, you know twenty million bucks a year keeping the ballpark together. We have a lot of expenses other teams don't, and um, so you know we're we're right there around CBT levels. This is kind of our natural natural place for us, and. And uh, that should be enough to win our division and be consistent every year. From that playoff process, just how to review what the Dodgers did, how much they spent. <laughs> yeah, but I don't comment on what other teams do, although they do have a much, much different economic situation than any other team in baseball based upon their television deal. And so their television revenues will continue to grow into the future while everyone's are dropping quick, pretty quickly. So they're going to have that advantage going forward for a long time. Right, which is why you should have an advantage. That was the whole point of marquee. You had this thing that you owned and you were distributing it. But that's also nonlinear where the Dodgers is linear. Yes. That's the big difference. And they've got it locked in where their revenues are guaranteed. He came very close to crying poor. He really did. He's, He's right there. He went right up He's to the right edge. right there to talking to you about biblical losses. Went right up to the edge about, well, you've got a lot of expenses and we pay a lot you of taxes. you got to turn the lights on at the ballpark. No, and all that. And it's an old ballpark that we have to maintain. But if the, the truth is, if you win the division, all, all you can try to do to build a team, and nobody wants to hear this, because people want to hear you say, build a team to win a World Series. It's hard to do that. You can't. You can't. Because they're short series. You you cannot. All you can do. You have do, no idea who's going to be healthy in October. Right. And and Or if or they're going to. Or if they have a good week or a bad week. He's on a heater. Right. All, all you can do is keep giving yourself spins of the wheel by keep making the playoffs, ideally by winning the division. That's the best way to win a World Series is give yourself that number of spins. So he's not wrong in that regard. However, there's no salary cap. So you can insure, you can spend a lot of money if you want to make your team deeper and more resilient. You could, and some would say that suggested you have to. The Cubs haven't had a bad offseason. They've added some pieces that they need, and even this past weekend, I, I like... Both guys that they signed to their deals. It's fine. But there's a next step to this. And you should be the team in your division taking the next step. Because the other teams in the division aren't really in a position to do it. And the Cardinals are still kind of like, they're that meme of the guy that's like trying to wash his car. That's what the Cardinals are. And, oh, oh, oh. 
but they won't be forever. Eventually, they'll get it corrected, and then it'll be problematic. But you can outspend the the Brewers, and we know the Pirates aren't serious people. The Reds are out here doing some stuff, and they can be a problem. So, you know, outspend them. Well, shout out to, to Layla, who will be here tomorrow. Layla Rahimi? Layla Rahimi. She has been saying this offseason that if Craig Council is the biggest name you get that this offseason, that's a problem. And and it, Cody Bellinger does not count. It would be fantastic if the Cubs side re-signed Cody Bellinger. I think they sh- that's a necessity at this point. Have you, as you've seen bigger names go off the board throughout this offseason. And the later we get here, I mean, we're already in, in spring training. That's and, why I said March 1st. Uh-huh. I disagree with Layla a little bit, though. Like, he's he's your free agent, but he's still a free agent. Like, there's nothing that's there's no real advantage that the Cubs have to signing Cody Bellinger that other teams don't. Yeah, free agents, free agent. So, These guys move around all the time. So well, when when you look at it from the view of how are you improving your team from last year? Yes, if, I, if you resign Cody Bellinger, great. But what else? greater are you adding onto this roster and i have yet to see that other than huge improvement in, in the manager department peralta come on man imanaga yeah, okay that, yes yes imanaga sure in the rotation i mean that, that sure. a, a serious mlb starting pitcher is a big deal we hope because we don't know no but I, I do think now the the scouting is so much better and understanding where the floor is I gotta especially see in Japanese I got to see it we, first we I got I got to see it but yeah I would say that it's probably fair to look at him as a middle of the rotation starter and getting that is valuable right Michael Bush is a flyer that that's a guy who was roadblocked somewhere else you completely understand the rationale behind that trade but that that's that's a flyer deal and the idea we haven't even talked about the your guy getting the first crack at third. I, hey man, this is all I look. If you read Craig Council's quotes, it's exactly what I've been saying there's about no, Christopher Moreau. There's no downside to None. trying, but good let's, luck. Man. Let's see what it looks like. Did you see what that first throw looked like? Not great. <laughs> let's see what it looks like, and let's see with a guy like Council if he might be a better teacher, because maybe he's less invested. In another guy, like the previous coaching staff, they were invested in making fetch happen with Nick Madrigal. And to a certain extent, they were right. To a certain extent. And then at the end of the season, they were like, oh, he can't hit. Here's exactly what Council had to say when asked about this Morel experiment. You mentioned wisdom getting work at first. That was a concept with Morel earlier in the offseason. Yeah. Is, how do you see him kind of where how is where's his focus gonna be? Yeah, I mean I think I think we'll probably I think there'll be some first base for Chris, but I think you know, I'd like to see him on third base, I think, to start camp. Um, and look, you know, it's it's you know Christopher's done so much with the bat that it's our job <laughs> to figure out the best way to deploy him, right? And um it's uh, you know, Bruce and I were having this conversation earlier. It's it's to say he can play a lot of positions. Yes, we have to play that on a certain level that it that it makes sense for the bat to be in there, right? Um, and we've got to 
and it is harder to play multiple positions, no question about it. Um, at this point, with you know players around Chris, you know we've, we've asked him to move around, right? Um, so I think my my idea at the start of camp is to kind of focus mainly at third base. Um, let's see where we're at. Let's evaluate that as we go. Um, but let's give him a chance at third base and let's give him some consistency at third base. See where we're at kind of roster-wise at, at some point in camp and then and then go forward from there. Right. If you sign Matt Chapman, then that's, that's over with. But and we know what Christopher Morell is going to end up doing. They got to fix the, the arm angle they, and then, then work on the feet. Well, you know, the other thing that council said was obviously like, they wanted him to go get some reps at first base and winter ball, but they don't have control of the roster on the team that he played on, so he didn't get as much time even there as they were hoping. So Joe Sheehan has been coming out with his positional rankings. He does this every year. He takes every position and ranks everybody in MLB. Yeah, that guy that was running the meth lab did the numbers for him. <laughs> he ran the numbers. Was well, it called like quantitative labs or something, something? Something like that. Well, he just did DHs. Where do you think Morrell ended up slotted? In all MLB DHs. All, all DHs? Yep. He's in the top 10. Number one is Jordan Alvarez. That would make sense. He says, with all respect to Aaron Judge, Juan Soto, and Ronald Acuna Jr., Alvarez is the best hitter in baseball. It's close by projections. Soto's right there with him as a hitter, but there's no one I'd rather send to the plate right now than Alvarez. I agree with that, and I don't care if it's a lefty on the mound. Number two is Shohei Otani. Well, yeah. You can't slot Otani any lower than this unless you include Soto here. While he's planning to be ready for the opener in Korea next month, there's definitely a performance cost to these rapid returns from elbow surgery. He struggled to hit after TJ in 2018. He hit a home run yesterday. Number three, Christopher Morell. Get out of here. Number three? Number three, Christopher Morell. He says, it is strange to be 25 years old and positionless. But the only place Morell hasn't been a disaster is at second base. And the Cubs have locked up their second baseman, yeah, Nico Horner, for years to come. Never gold glove second baseman. Morell can start once a week just about anywhere and likely will get work at six spots this year. His best position is batter's box. <laughs> and he says he should be the Cubs' second best hitter behind Seiya Suzuki. Seiya! I thought that was fa- And number four, Eloy Jimenez. Yeah! Number five, Kyle Schwarber. That makes more sense. Because he hits 40 bombs. 50 or yeah. however many and walks however many times and just happens to make his outs the same way. Hey, when we come back, I want to talk about the Boris four and what's happening here, because I think there's some people who are like, yeah, Ricketts and the Cubs are cheap. Well, let's expand this to understand that there are several other teams that are saying the exact same things that the Cubs are saying about this group of players. To the point where there's a certain C word, not well, that one. Hey, yeah, you got to be careful. There is a word that people don't like to say that is actually worth discussing. Because I think it's the soft version of that. Snacks on the score. Bernstein and Holmes, your midday destination for Chicago sports talk on 670 The Score. I think it's pretty evident that when you have youth and you're 28, 
you're a rare free agent. You have a lot of options. But when he came to Chicago, he just feasted on Major League Pitching. And um, really, uh, you know, I think Chicago got the comforts of a full belly. So they're going to have to loosen their belts to keep Bellinger. Does he ever, like, just go do a hot five? Yeah. Open mic? No. I hope so. Get, Wouldn't that be great? Get booed off the stage. He, he needs to. So he, lame. So, so is that, is when he meets with reporters, is that the equivalent of him getting his, his, I, 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 I got this five minutes. It's great. It's all puns. Do you think there's like. It's all the, baseball puns. They're terrible. They're you think really like awful. The, the lower. This is what I imagine, like the lower levels of people in his agency. He he invites them out for drinks, and then they're they're subjected to yes, you know his. his like he bounces first, his, it off Juan Augusto first. Is he yes, still working right. for him? No, the it, former Sox reliever. Not even him. Like the the, the interns, the, the Tyler of of ouch of yeah, he's young in the business. Why 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 are you gonna do Tyler like that? Because Tyler's young in the business. That's what I imagine. It's the younger guys at the yes. agency. And then it's like. I'm going to take all of the new associates out. And, and it's on a certain night before, you know, the winter meetings or whatever. And then it's like, oh, you know, you guys are going to have to sit and, and, well, the and thing sit is, with Scott and listen to the, the jokes. He's going to workshop the jokes with you. Well, see, that's rolls the thing. Eyes. Like all of those kids are probably like super excited. They're like, wait, Mr. Boris, he, he invited us out to dinner, man. We must be moving up in the world. And then you get there, and it's a stage and a single mic. And he's like, is this thing on? And you better Hello? laugh. You better laugh at the boss's jokes. We've got to fill our belly. Uh, you know, I think Chicago got the comforts of a full belly. That's a good one. That's yeah. really funny. So Ken Rosenthal writes this today. He refers to the Boris Four. What about the Boros? Different. Oh. He says maybe these decision makers are just posturing. Maybe they're becoming more steadfast. He quotes Rangers GM Chris Young. I don't think there are any additions coming at this point. He quotes Blue Jays GM Ross Atkins. At this point, additions that would be of significance would mean some level of subtraction. Giants president of baseball operations Farhan Zaidi. It's a little bit more disruptive to add at this point. And, he's, and he says, at some point organizationally, you just need to turn the page and focus on the players you have. Well, this sounds like a veiled shot at Boris, whom for three and a half months is a mere opening stanza. And they said, wait, there's more. Cubs manager Craig Council talking about playing Christopher Morrell at third, where Matt Chapman's still available. The Yankees signaling they're still interested in Blake Snell and Jordan Montgomery. But the Athletic reporting that the team's luxury tax rate would mean a one-year $40 million deal for Snell would actually cost $84 million. Oh. Angel star Mike Trout saying he's been pushing, pushing, pushing owner Artie Moreno to sign impact-free agents, but conceding it probably won't happen. The Boris Four, Chapman, Snell, Montgomery, Jordan Montgomery, and center fielder first baseman Cody Bellinger will find work in due time. This is Rosenthal. When I asked Boris on Monday if he was still confident of landing deals that in his mind will properly reflect the respective values of those four free agents, he answered in a text, these are extremely talented players that impact winning outcomes. If owners value winning as their primary goal for their cities and fans, they will continue to make every effort to acquire elite 
talents. That kind of feels like everyone's gotten together and said, we're not dealing with the big money Scott Boris clients. That would be illegal pursuant to the collective bargaining agreement. And I mean, if we could find a smoking gun, it would be that that's why I say there's, there could be some soft collusion going on here, which it's collusion. It's a rainbow. And they try it every year, but most years an owner will blink. And some years, the player will go to Boris and say, "You're asking for too much. Here's what I, I'm fine with. Yeah. Blank. I just want to go here. I just want to go. This is where I want to live. This is where my family wants to be. I want to go play baseball. So it's fascinating to see these four continuing to define the market. But it's not just the Cubs. I know that's uh, that's sort of like old old Dusty Baker Cubs era. It's not just us, dude. It's everybody. But it's true in this case." that there is a standoff going on and, and teams together are holding the line on Hold these clients. The line! They're holding the line on his clients. So we'll see where the numbers come in, but I get it. I get it from both sides. But the player, it is it is the player absolutely is allowed to value himself however he wants and to not necessarily accept anything less than that. Yes. And the player is a lot like I, I do think that there's still, there's still fans that think that the agent runs the player and we could at least lend our experience from doing this, where we both have had dealings with agents. And for the most part, nothing's not happening unless we say it's happening. Like we can we can direct them to to hey, this is what I would like to do. This is where I'm comfortable as far as dollars or perks or whatever, or this is the place where I want to work. They don't run you. And there's like sometimes like this backlash, oh well, you know, you would want Scott Boris as your agent, other than the puns. That would be enough for me to change agents. But ultimately, it's up to you. Like, if he sat down and he's like, hey, Belly, I've been working on a hot five for when I talk about you to the public, I would get up and walk away. Like, I'm going to go find someone else. Yeah, but you'd, no, you'd get up and walk away, but you'd still have him represent you. You just don't want to sit and listen to it. Scott, I don't want to hear your hot five. But if the player says, hey, I... This is the deal I want. Get me this deal with this team. I'm willing to accept blank. Then it's, this is the floor. That's the agent's job, and he has said it. He has said it. I now I really like the idea of what Ray thought of, like those poor interns and new associates. Oh, I got the, I got dinner with the boss tonight, guy. And then then the the. Bernstein and Holmes version at the, the Boris agency. You're like, oh, God. All right, so look, this is how you make it through it. He's going to start telling you, like, there's going to be all sorts of puns and stuff. Just take a bite of chicken, smile, nod your head. Make sure that you know all of the players that we represent because he's going to make some sort of reference to all of them. And when he does, ha, 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 and try to get out of there. As best you can. And if you think it's funny, by all means, laugh. But even if it's not funny, laugh. Especially because he, it, it, it's so precious to him 
Like you can see him doing like a him looking like Norman fell on three's company to break the fourth wall. Like he makes uh, it and then he's uh, like, uh-huh. What do you think of that? I, it, right. I, Am I right? Full belly. Get it? Am I right? See? He just can't wait to just let one of those pearls of comedy <laughs> unfold off his tongue. And, and, I wouldn't and, wait too much longer on Matt or else he'll be chat. Huh? Huh? I love the idea huh? of like like Scott Boris working on this all year round. Like, all right, just like a stand-up comedian all the way through. Like, all right, I'm I'm, I'm working through a new set here. I'm building up. I've got a whole he's new show. He's only in, he's the miners. Like he's in Chattanooga, right? Doing stuff. Yeah, absolutely. It's 100%. beginning to smell like a deal. Like he's he's huh? he's in his bathroom brushing his teeth. Like, oh, I got one. I got one. Where's my notepad? Wait, who's the other client? Montgomery. I can't do anything with that. What can we do with that? Well, you could say, well, for enough money, Montgomery could be a ward of the franchise. Uh, (laughs) Uh, uh, Something about General Montgomery? Something about Elizabeth Montgomery? Where would you go with that? You would be bewitched to sign them. All of these I could imagine coming out of the mouth of Scott Boris. Of course, sure. because it's like the lowest hanging fruit. <laughs> I mean, he like let's get it, let's get it right. He's a great agent and a hack comedian. Not even. It's sort of it's it's the stories that the old comedy guys tell when the the heads of studios back in the day, back in the golden studio era when comedies were becoming the big thing and all the studio chiefs thought they were funny yeah, and none of them were funny. And they would, these guys trying to get movies made would have to sit across the desks from Harry Flugelman with his giant cigar and listen to him tell these stories and try to make these jokes like, Oh, you're so funny. You should be a comedy writer instead of just owning the studio. You should not follow in your family business of owning MGM. Yeah. People tell me I'm funny. (laughs) No, oh, do they? No, you're 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 not. You're not funny, but you you're the one that greenlights all the movie productions. So we'll this this market is moving at a snell like pace. Ah! Uh, when we say it's up to the player, sometimes players, like you say, really want to play. Other, yeah. Other times, there are players who don't. And so, don't like you asking them yeah, about it. Yeah, they don't it. like you. They don't really like baseball. I think Rob Manfred would like an entire army of these players. He, everything would be perfect. Other other than the amount of money that right. this particular player is making. Well, that's enough to get him to the ballpark. At 7 a.m. to talk with you guys. We'll discuss that next here on The Score. Bernstein and Hope. Jason Goff is here in studio with us. We go from Zion Williamson, John Morant, (laughs) to spinning on finally tailored suits. Hey, getting yelled at for dancing. (laughs) On Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. The Bernstein and Hope Show at its finest. Yeah, it's what we do, Jay. It's what we're doing over here. Is it still a top priority for you? It's never been a top priority for me. This is a job. So I do this to make a living. Uh, my faith, my family come first before this job. So if those things come before it, I'm leaving. Is it a priority? Oh, it's a priority for sure. This is my job. I'm here, aren't I? 
Do you want to be here? I don't want to talk to you guys at <laughs> seven in the morning or whatever time it is. So, did you, I mean, do you want? I mean, do you want to like be here playing baseball? I have answered your question. So why do you keep picking at it? Oh, <laughs> yeah, you technically answered it. Thank you. I mean, he didn't answer the question about the Angels. No. It's not good, man. Anthony Rendon signed with a seven-year, $245 million contract. This will be year five of that contract. And really the only full season that he's played, not because he didn't want to, but because he's been injured, was the 2020 season. He played 52 games out of 60 in the 2022. So I'll call that a full season. You want to know the game totals for him after that, Dan? Mm-hmm. 58, 47, 43. So many games he's played in the subsequent three seasons. There's a quote from 2014 with the Washington Post saying he doesn't like watching baseball. He prefers watching the History Channel because baseball is, quote, too long and boring. Look, we know people who are like this. We know athletes that don't watch their sport when they're not playing it. It's a job. It's a job. And and I respect that. And I respect that you have priorities. It's just that he's been on the wrong side of a bunch of incidents while out in Los Angeles. And the crazy thing is, is that if we go back to Anthony Rendon's career in Washington, 153, 156, 147 are the types of totals that you got from him in Washington. And he just seems very sour on the whole thing. And to go back to what we were talking about earlier, I know that Mike Trout is trying desperately to play the role of good soldier and be the face of the Angels as a franchise, especially now that Shohei Otani is playing for the Dodgers. Mike, you got to get you got to get out. You got to go. If you want to help the Angels, this would actually help the Angels. Someone else picking up portions of your contract. If you want to help yourself, you got to go. In the last 3 seasons, Anthony Rendon has combined for 1.1 F4. Yeah, that's not great. In three seasons. That is after putting up a 6.4 war year, two five nines, and then a 6.8 in 2019. Great player. Great player in Washington. And he can't stay healthy, and he doesn't seem happy. He's fighting with fans. There's all sorts of stuff that's been going on. It's too bad. I just think it's too bad. I, I, I think in a, in a perfect world, it's easier to root for players who you know love what they do. And it's harder to root for those who actively dislike what they do. Yes. I mean, he's literally fighting with fans. Yep. It's not, it's not a good look. And that, that franchise right now is a disaster. I always tell the story about when I was a little kid. I mean, not so however old I was. And I was at a White Sox game. Go White Sox! And it was, it was during just after batting practice and there were players over by the wall. If you, if you went there early enough in old Comiskey and you went to stand down there, players come by and sign something for you every now and then. I remember one time a, a rookie Bobby Bonilla came over and was signing still paying. him, And I was in line. There were a couple kids ahead of me and I was in line to get Julio Cruz's autograph. Your guy. 
and he's kind of looking around, and then he realizes that they're they're going to go take infield. And to the person ahead of me, he said, "He said, listen, I am really sorry, but I've I've got to go to work." And it was the first time I'd ever. I'm like, what does he mean? He has to go to work. Because to me, he was playing baseball. To me, work meant like my dad would go to work. You put a suit on and you get a briefcase and you leave and you get on the train and you go downtown to a big building. That was work. You're playing baseball. But the fact that it's the first time I'd heard him say, I got to go to work. Like, oh, wow. This is this is work for him. That's pretty cool. And that I never forgot that. And then I think there was the same game where Joel Skinner Got the dumbest argument I've ever heard with this guy next to me who was asking for a ball. Okay. And he's like, hey, hey, Skinner, flip me. Come on, flip, flip the ball. He's like, no, we can't can't just be giving away baseballs. He's like, well, what do you mean? You guys give away baseballs all the time. And Joel Skinner looks at him and goes, what do you do for a living? He goes, well, I'm, I'm a printer. Goes, do people come by your work and ask you to give them a printing press? He's <laughs> like, no, but that's that's not that's an, different. That's not an apples to apples comparison. That would be, but so he didn't, and he was just like, no. And I just rolled my eyes, like, what a what a jerky thing to say to compare a a baseball of no value to the baseball player or coach there, compare it to a printer giving away his printing press. <laughs> come on, come on, Joel, that's not nice. Like that's a bad example, but I didn't get involved. He was going to work. I thought it was, it was probably better that I didn't say anything. Hey, hey, Mike Trout, Mike, leave. Yeah, you know another reason that Mike should leave too is that he's not the player he was either. No, and still pretty great. Still pretty right. Well, I mean, he's got a little further to drop than others do. That guy can lose a step or two and still be great. It's like LeBron, mm-hmm. but he's. If he if he wants that, and I'm not saying he's got to go full blown ring chasing because that's hard to do in baseball. But he can go home. Yeah, Jersey. He can go home and play for Philadelphia. Although at this point, can they even afford it? All the money that they're giving out in contract stuff. This Sunday is the Chris Chelios Jersey retirement game. You can tune into Mulligan Haw tomorrow and Thursday for your chance to win a pair of tickets to that game when the number seven goes to the rafters and the Blackhawks host the Red Wings this Sunday at the United Center, courtesy of Bud Light. Easy to drink, easy to enjoy. Scott Boris would go, hopefully it won't be chilly. Ah! Ah! Let's, uh, let's talk the Bears story. This is not my thing. No, make it not your thing. No, it's not my thing. Make it, make it not your thing, or I'm gonna, I'm gonna have. I'm to. gonna start an account called Boris Joke Writer. That's fine. It'd be like New York Times Pitch Bot. That's fine. That's you, gonna be me. You can do that on Twitter, and that'll be great. And then I'm gonna do it here. I think Twitter's a perfect place for no, you. No, this is the this is where I get more people. I, I think you create that burner account and you do it on Twitter. But next up, we'll talk some bears on the score. Justin has a rare combination of intelligence, of size, of strength, and speed. You forget how big of a, of a man he is until you're up on him. He's not a small man. And, um, and so I just think every year he's going to continually get better. Um, and um, so I'm glad he's on the Chicago Bears. Devin Warren 
deciding to comment on a player on Football Matters, which was interesting, because he didn't have to, but he did. And when he starts to sound football-y, it raises all kinds of questions about how involved is he, rather than just being a sounding board and support for Ryan Poles. Is he more actively involved than we would know while he's trying to cadge down the tax bill in Arlington Heights, where I believe the Bears will ultimately end up, no matter what they're saying about downtown. I'm not as sure as you are, but I'm also like, where where are they going to build something? What are you going to do? South Lots? They're not going to own that. Yeah, that's the problem. It's, it, it wouldn't make any sense. It's going to cost a little more. Build it, own it, make the money. Yeah, you, you, there's a there's a, got to be a number that maybe isn't the number that Fritz Ke threw out there, but there's got to be a number, and and then the the schools will be like, okay, this is fine, this works for me. Sixty million, let's go, and it only costs you sixty million. Then you start building your thing instead of oh, we're gonna go to the city and we're gonna. Go down to the lakefront at 87th Street and build something down there. Anyway, Mm-mm. you know, that we, we live in a new age now where we're dealing with athletes who respond to things differently and have a lot more agency in their own voice and their own social media channels. Does it mean anything to you that Justin Fields stopped following the Bears? And also so did Uno Fields, his dog. I don't know that I know the whole story because I would need to know the full context for how long has he followed the Bears? Right. Is this something, I mean, do we know that the moment he was drafted, did he start following him? I don't, I guess I don't really know enough about his individual online proclivities to to derive anything for this, divine anything from it. I'll tell you this about the timeline. I don't know the specific timeline myself personally of when he actually hit unfollow and when uno took his paw and hit unfollow too but uh you know people are on watch for this fans are on watch for this so i think if it would have happened at any point earlier people would have taken notice we would have heard about it by now so i assume that this is new you know there's no i don't have a timeline for it but that's my assumption it's interesting like that does that tell people more than hearing Kevin Warren talk about Justin Fields? Do people feel like they they can read a tea leaf and go, oh, well, he's unfollowed them? This also seems to be, I, I don't want to even call it a trend, but it's happening a little bit more frequently with Gen Z athletes. When they're like, oh, well, I'm I'm done. How often is it predictive, though? I don't know. I, I I need someone to do an actual study on it. Because, you know, didn't this happen? What was, wasn't there another bear? Didn't Jalen do this? Didn't Jalen either stop following or took away all of his bear stuff from Instagram? I think I have that right. Ladies, I'm, I'm only going to have pictures of me out on a boat. No pictures of me as a bear. Just gonna be out here, living on my own. I don't need the bears. And then you have one of the best years ever, and you're probably gonna get a lot of money, although not until after they tag you. And then they can keep negotiating, which is probably the right move. Tag them to delay this as long as you can. 
figure out where you can spend the money and then offer them a deal. You don't mean tag them on social media. Maybe oh, no, that would be bad, inclu- I think, right? Including them in the posts about them and not sub. I mean, the franchise them. tag. Ah. Wink, wink. Ah, so I'm back, back to tag puns here with Lawrence <laughs> Boris. Boy. Don't don't no. tag no. my client. Oh, God. Uh, well, I'm not going to survive this. This is this has got to stop. No, this is a great bit. I even thought of one during the break. I bet you did. <laughs> Don't let this be a Bellinger of things to come. See, this is I'm not I'm just not. <laughs> it's bad. You know what I just, like to say? What? Whoever snelt it Dealt for it. Ah! Sorry, guys. I I apologize. I should what? not. I I should not <laughs> be countenancing any of this, but I apparently have no choice. I I, I think it works. Mm-hmm. The people want more of it. No, they don't. I now want people to no. start writing them for me. No, you don't. No. Now now the texters are gonna and now and now I'm gonna have no place to turn. I'm gonna have no place to Texters, go to why don't this. you why don't you write for, for Lawrence Boris? No. But they can only be puns with his clients. Send or a, other stuff. Send, I don't know. It says t- Kyler Murray did this last year. That's who it was. It didn't mean anything. I thought Jalen did it too, though. 815 said Roquan did this. Roquan did it. That's and, and he left. So that in that case, it was a little bit more predictive. And then Kyler was like, no, everything's cool. My knee's fine. We back Call of Duty. You know, that's how we roll. So maybe it's a nothing. Chances are it's a nothing, and it has nothing to do with anything because it's not up to Justin Fields. Correct. That's the thing. There's no real – he doesn't have agency in this. He doesn't have a lot of power at all. The hope is that he has a good enough for him. I'm looking at this from Justin's perspective. The hope is that he has a good enough relationship with Ryan Poles that Poles will at least say to him, look, man, we're going to trade you. Where? What would be the best spot for you? I'm not promising that I can get you to where you want to go, but I'll do my damnedest because you're that guy. Like, we appreciate what you've done for the Bears. We'll, we'll do our best to do right by you in a trade. And if it's out there for them to make it, great. And if not, okay. You have to find the you have to find the best deal if you're Ryan Poles. It's been interesting because it kind of felt like when the offseason began, that most folks were just kind of a, like, no, nah, you can't even you can't even think about trading the number one pick. Again, because when are you going to be in a position like that? The Bears still have a lot of stuff to fix. Like, and they can get a lot of it done between the draft and free agency. But there's still a lot that they need to get done. It's probably the best situation that a number one pick has, has come into or in the realm of best situations the number one pick has ever come into if they draft Caleb Williams, but they're not quite complete. So I, I am curious to see how 
what the approach is. Um, and you can't do like rookie center and r- rookie quarterback. Some say you can. I, I think that sounds awful risky. Super risky. Unless the guy is an absolute ass kicker, special talent, automatic stud, which you don't usually see coming out of college. It's rare. Because they're usually, if, it, if you're that polished a collegiate center, it usually means you're undersized for the position in the NFL. Like those guys exist, but most guys who end up at center in the NFL are not playing it in college. I've been thinking a lot about the moves that were made over the weekend. We haven't really talked about it. Eddie Jackson is released. And that's what was going on in the open with the serial. Yeah, I know. Okay. But and Cody Whitehair being released. I I wonder with Cody if he would trade it all, would trade all the versatility. Like is that a curse for football players? No, I kept him in the league a long time, I think. Instead of maybe perfecting guard? Yeah, I think there's there's no downside to versatility. I don't know if you because you end up like, oh, I can play all these positions. Well, can you really play one? I made, well, a, made a Pro Bowl at center. Yeah, and then he couldn't snap. No, but he's had. A, I think he's had a really nice career. It's, so a, that, it's that, a very nice career, and he's made a lot of money. And he was very grateful for the opportunity. He made a – was it a social media – I don't know. And he's probably not done. Yeah, someone will – he can be someone's swing guy. That, there you go. The versatility will help lengthen his career – because he can play any position on the line. But I was thinking specifically guard to center. Like not, like you can play a couple of guard spots, fine. But the idea of, well, do you keep someone on a roster because if we get into a disaster, he can go out there and play yes, center. Yes, that happened with the, with the Bears and Matt Slauson. Oh, yeah, Matt Slauson. Remember? They said, can you play center? He said, I'll try. They had to start him for a few games. Happened with Dan Feeney. Bad. No, he's out there, though. He's out there making snaps. And <laughs> snapping. Um, what do you make of the Bears, the reports that the Bears will make up their mind on what they're going to do with their quarterback that situation? That seemed like an, just a weird, strangely sourced excuse to write a column, which is so many of those headlines that you scroll past, you're like, ooh, what's this? And then you read it, and you're like... We already n- knew that. There's nothing in there. There's no information there. It's like, well, it's it's 10,000 words. But what do I need to know? Did you make it 500 words? With- and then I know something. Hey, man. Some, that's what there's, I'm telling you, Joe Cowley is the king of that. Joe king Cow- of... 500 words, and there's always something in there I didn't know or, I, or I, I'm glad I found out. Well, this is kind of where we're at, though. Isn't that the whole... That's why pro football talk exists. They don't go longer than 600 words or so. Ever. On a piece. Unless it's like a Mike Florio exclusive where he has to go into like, great and detail. legal stuff. Yeah. yeah, right. No. Like league or legal stuff for him where he goes into great detail about stuff. But most of it is, hey, here it is. I don't mind a long-form piece, but there's a time and a place for it. If you you know, went to Serbia to hang with Jokic, like the New Yorker writer did, and did a full-blown magaziner 
all about Jokic. It was incredible. New Yorker did a nice I'm, piece of my buddy Roger Carter. I'm, that I'm, I'm there for it. But Shout out to Roger Carter. As a news piece, as sort of a navel-gazing, hey, let's do a podcast and write every word of a podcast, no thank you. I'm, guessing, I'm guessing that the Sun-Times and the Tribune probably have metrics. I mean, I know the Sun-Times has metrics because I know how many words they wanted me to stay within when I was doing columns. I'm guessing that we're probably in the place of most places want you to be between, you know, no more than a thousand and probably closer to 700 as far as words go. And it's hard because you have to decide, like, as I'm reading on this, if you're giving me the newspaper, like the actual broadsheet, I'm there. I can, I'm going to read your 3000 word piece on DJ Moore. With this, as I'm scrolling and as my eyes get worse, I I am less likely to read all of your stuff until I can get a paper version of it. Does that make me a bad person? I don't think so. TLDR. It's just like it's so like I don't know how I'm, I'm it's not that I mind reading, it's just Sometimes it's about the presentation of what it is that you're reading. There's a reason that you and I read our reads off of paper. I don't need to. It's more habit than anything else. I could easily you would do it not, off the you screen. You would not like it off the screen. I do it at home when when we have you know, during all of COVID. Yes. It was that way. Yes, but you would you would you you were running around this morning. I don't have reads. Well, I they could have they, said they, we, they we, were there. We they, emailed them to you. And you'd have been like, that's not good enough. That's fine. I, I need just, the paper. I, I don't I don't like the waste of paper, but I sometimes I take the paper I home and I use it to print crossword puzzles. I don't think this is a and you definitely don't waste paper. I don't think it's a waste of paper as long as we try and recycle it. We put it in the blue bins. Yeah, but people put a lot of stuff in the blue bins. Yeah, Layla said that the blue bins get thrown where everything else gets yeah. thrown. And it's, it's not even actually recycling. It makes you very sad. We still gotta try though. Still gotta I, try. I agree, Ray. And so like I see I see the the guy coming to get the the blue bin from from my house, and I'm like, "There's a lot of stuff in the back of your truck that is not recyclable." Oh, I hate that. Me too. I'm well, like, why am I separating all this stuff? I'm trying to be a good world citizen, and I'm proud to be an American. Parkins and Spiegel are hosting a QB one town hall tomorrow. From 2 to 6 p.m. in front of a live studio audience at the Blue Cross Blue Shield performance stage. They'll also be joined by football experts to weigh in on the QB1 debate that everyone is talking about. That's the QB1 town hall. I mean, They're trying to do something big tomorrow at the Blue Cross Blue Shield performance studio. They're going to debate the merits of, is it Justin Fields? Is it Caleb Williams? Does Drake May get into the mix a little bit? Better not be Drake May. Is this the debate that everyone's talking about? Yes. Oh. That's why we were just a second ago, oh. we were talking about Justin Fields unfollowing the Bears. Oh. It's the debate that everyone's talking about, and you need to treat it more seriously, Dan Bernstein. You can listen live right here on 670 The Score or the Odyssey I app. I didn't say turn into the Westwood One guy. You can watch live on Twitch and YouTube. Yeah, now, and now here's Danny Parkins and Matt Spiegel.
That will be tomorrow. That's David Lee, by the way, right? Yes. Westwood one. The former basketball player. Sold. No, not that David Lee. It's not him. No, it's oh. a different David Lee. It's 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 Thunderball's big voice guy. You don't, you've never heard David Lee talk. You don't know if that's what he did. Yes, after I have. I've heard basketball. David Lee, the basketball player, talk. What I does have. He sound like? Not like that. You don't know. Maybe he's been taking lessons. No. Maybe. The the true voice professionals don't always have the same voice on their big, big voice productions. Yeah. What do you think of that? But he does, though. David Lee. Yeah. Now, listen, kids. Rich Eisen. Whose turn is it to unload the dishwasher? Ah! Ah! Could you imagine? Now here's Kevin Harlan. Yeah, that's it. I am Sinistar. Like that, you don't, you don't mess with that. I dude. make the Westwood guy work at the grocery store. Go. Now here's some avocados. Put your onions in the bag, baby onions. Onions. Westwood guy works at Burger King. Go. Have it your way. Westwood one guy is Scott Boros. <laughs> no! <laughs> now. Our bellies are full. I didn't think it could get worse. See, I can take this character to a lot of places. Didn't think it could get worse until it got dee, worse. Dee, 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 dee. Next up, well... Actually, a serious conversation. Somebody who DeMar DeRozan should have on his new series. Yes, Dinner with DeMar. We'll explain why next on The Score. You're listening to Bernstein and Holmes. I'm still stuck, Dan, in trying to figure out exactly what it is we do here. (laughs) Well, no, that part, I've figured it out. There's fart jokes and mascots. That's all is going on here. Bernstein and Holmes. Fart jokes and mascots. Middays 10 to 2. On 670 The School. Sam Thomas getting set to check in for the final two minutes of the fourth quarter. Sky has tied her career high with 35. Skylar Diggins was going through some things. I had no idea. She's been going through stuff for a little while. You know, having a family and dealing with uh, postpartum depression and trying to figure out if she belongs in She's kind of an interesting figure because it feels like the game has come to her. Like when she first came on the scene, there were a lot of people who took notice of her playing while in full makeup. And it was controversial even within the league itself. Yes. And there were some people who thought, well, she's not here to play ball she's here to be famous and there was a level of fame that that she had, had garnered too from people outside of the WNBA world or the of the women's college basketball world when she was a star at at Notre Dame and she her her ride in the WNBA has been kind of bumpy because she's also been trying to like live a life we don't talk about this a lot and maybe not enough when it comes to 
the fact that there is a league of women that they're going to have babies. It's so funny. There was a going around this weekend was a, a, a meme of Tamika Catchings holding Jaden Ivey when oh, he was a baby. Wow, because sure. And then them like being with each other, like hugging each other this past weekend. And it's like, that's right. Like Niel had uh, had Jaden while she was playing and she's out here doing her thing as the coach. And it's just so funny. Like, like, wow. Also, Tamika Ketching is one of the greatest players that ever lived too. Anyway, that strays away from the point. But the struggle that Skylar Diggins has had in going to different places, the way that her career in Phoenix ended was, I think, an underreported and under-talked-about story. Because there were some, some allegations of being treated differently because she was pregnant. Not being allowed to work out with the team because it was a liability. And, and she was trying to figure out, like, with the WNBA being the most progressive professional league in, in America... Some of the things, the way that she was treated on her way out of Phoenix left a scar. So she has another baby, and she talked a little bit about getting back to being even in the right mind frame to want to come back and play. It's different, you know. I question, like, could I do this? Did I want to do this? Like... I didn't feel like I wanted to keep playing. I didn't know, you know. And so it's been tough. And I think me and Bridget, we've been together for 10 years. She came to me in Tulsa after I had that rookie season where I averaged like 8.5 points. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to play in the WNBA. I'm just going to go overseas and like, this ain't for me. This league ain't for me. I don't fit in. And she was the one that grabbed me like, no. She's from Indiana too, East Chicago. So I'm from South Bend. That's like 45 minutes from each other. She grabbed me like, no, you're great. You know, I believe in you. Sometimes just as simple as that, you know. And 10 years later, I'm like, I don't know if I could do this. I might just retire. I might just leave. I told Jana that. And um, she pushed me. I lost 50 pounds. You know, I was 204 pounds. And I play at 145. And I was like, I can't. I can't move. I can't run. I can't walk. And we spent, like, the last, since my daughter was, like, two or three months, we've been in that gym. And I'm talking about in the gym with, on our own, you know, paying for the gym to work out at the gym. And, um, you know, she got me back to that belief where I feel like now I feel stronger than I was before. And I didn't think that was possible. You know, going through postpartum stuff, you just never know where you're going to be at. And she pulled me out of another place. And so she is like, I can't understand, you know, I can't say enough what Bridget means and, uh, to this journey and just lighting another fire. Like, I'm coming for everything. And she put that in my mind that, you know, I could be great and I'm still great. And um, not only that, I could be better. And I really believe that. And with this group, the support system is what I need at this stage. And I really do feel like that. Like, feel like I'm better now. I feel like I'm stronger, mentally tougher, physically stronger, and I cannot wait for the opportunity to prove that. I'm really, really 
Bridget Pettis is who okay. she's talking Wh- about. Why is a WNBA player having to pay to go to a gym? These are the questions that were happening when Skyler was in Phoenix, and they they told her they didn't want her around the team. That the only relationship that they were, according to Skyler, um, the only relationship that they were going to have is the checks that they were going to pay her out, and. While she's suffering from postpartum depression? Yep. the hell? Well, look, let's let's keep it a buck. Within that league, as progressive and as supportive as that league has been, there is an element that has always pushed back against players being moms. It's not everybody. It's not every coach. It's not every team. But there has there there have been some who have looked and was like, oh, okay, well, I guess you're going to do that now. So is basketball not important enough to you? I mean, it's like it happens in it, it just an, it's another manifestation of a very common and unfortunate aspect of sports in general. But that's a, that's a, a specific one that is that is too bad. There is still some of that in that league. So not that we're producing Demar's dinner with Demar. But this would be an awesome, I think, an awesome opportunity for him to reach on because he's talked a lot about like depression. Well, what about postpartum depression? And we know that he's a big fan of the WNBA. He's a very proud father to girls. And if if he, if Demar wants my advice, I don't want your advice. But if he wanted my advice, I would say that you should sit down with Skyler. And talk with her about how all this stuff has affected her. Because how many people, how many women like suffer through something that they maybe don't even necessarily have a name for it, even though they do, but they don't even know that that's what it is. And here's someone who is one of the more higher profile players in the league, love it or hate it, that was going through this and wasn't getting... I bet that one of the things that made her angry was she was thinking that she was in a place where she was going to get this level of support and did not. So now she's going to play with Seattle. I think her and Jewel Lloyd are back together because they play played together, right, in college. So her and Jewel Lloyd are back together. Neka Gumake is on that team now, too. So they're going to be a problem. I don't know if they can beat those all-stars in Las Vegas, but they're going to be a problem. They're going to have to be dealt with this year. And I I kind of like the the level of anger, like in the middle of that cut where she's like, I'm coming for everything now. Yeah, well, I just I, I still can't get past the idea that a, that a professional franchise would say, like, look, we'll, we'll cut you the checks, but that's it. Yeah. I, at a dark moment that she needs to find somebody else to help pull her out. Like a, what, a what, dark moment. And what, what employer does that? And a lot of, and a lot of, I know that there are a lot of, of pregnant women that want to stay active partially because they want to make sure that they get their bodies back and they want their babies to be as healthy as possible. And it just like her divorce from Phoenix was uh, ugly. So I'm glad that she she feels good enough to get back into the game, that she hasn't given up on herself, that she's back in playing shape, and that she is going to 
try to continue to balance what it's like to be a mom and a WNBA player. And it shouldn't, there shouldn't have to be like a either or. Take your time off, get yourself ready. And then when you come back, you know, there hopefully opportunities will be waiting for you. And with a player as good as Skylar Diggins is proven to be, I'm glad that she's getting a chance and that that she wants to take the chance. But it was as soon as I saw it, I was like, man, this is exactly the type of thing that DeMar should be doing. Like, here you go. Here's something that you might not even be as familiar with because you're looking at it from a, a male perspective. Here's an opportunity to, to, to really put it out there and talk with someone who is going through crap. And you have a responsibility to be there for her. And and especially, like, and, and people hear postpartum depression, it's depression. It's not. It's not like a, a subset. It, it it happens to be a hormonal imbalance, a serotonin deficiency that is often caused by the the physical physiological reset of childbirth. There are a lot of components to it, and it's not entirely completely understood, but. You're you're casting away and aside somebody with a diagnosable mental illness. Yep, like that's that, that's just wrong. Who's clearly like been calling out for help. Like this isn't. She wasn't just suffering in silence. Like, so I wish Skylar Diggins, uh, Skylar Diggins Smith, a lot of luck, and I hope that she does well this season. And it seems like she's set up to succeed out there in Seattle. And I hope she does. And I hope that she she tells her story completely to anyone who wants to hear it. DeMar DeRozan's right there. DeMar, get on it. It's good to hear her uh, tell her truth in that forum when she knows she is going to have at least a a sympathetic ear and a sympathetic audience of people who are going to want to listen. Yep. Speaking of truth-telling, Shaq did some of that over the weekend. I didn't have a whole lot of takeaways from the whole NBA All-Star weekend, but... Shaq was was keeping everything on the level when he was talking to Dame Lillard on the air. Like, this stuff was on the air. You want to know why? Too many people were shacked in a fool. I'm done. <laughs> Back after this on the score. Bernstein and Holmes. Mike C. Nelson. Now we know his name is Keith from the Progressive Becoming Your Parents commercials. The White Sox. I can't believe they did more due diligence on hiring a play-by-play guy than a GM. Middays, 10 a.m. till 2. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable to root for that team. On Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. You're one of us. You're one <laughs> of us, Mike. That was flat tires. <laughs> That was the Motor Speedway flat tire. Oh, my God. Y'all see this? Half court. Did y'all see this? Lillard. Like, and I guess enough people watched. The ratings were up 18% yeah. over last year. People were there for it. People liked seeing the best players in the game do stuff. Even though they're not, it's, they're not really doing stuff. We'd like for them to do more. I guess I don't. I don't care. I didn't watch. It didn't matter to me. But what I did see, I didn't see any of that. What I did see, no, I, I saw Damian Lillard sitting with the NBA and TNT guys, and amid all of the yucking it up and all of the fun, all of a sudden, Shaq got serious, and Dame's right there, live TV, 
And and Shaq started dishing out the advice that it probably needs to be taken to heart. Dave, I don't have any questions. I'm going to give you some <laughs> advice because I'm your big brother. Yeah. I've been in the position you've been in before. Kenny's been in that position before. You and Giannis, you're being too nice. Yeah. When it all is said and done, it don't work out, three people going to get blamed. Doc, you and Giannis. So you and Giannis got to make sure the troops get it done. There's no reason, that, but with Doc being there, y'all should be three and seven. That right there is on her. So y'all, right. so when you get back, you're going to have to g- grab some people by the necks and say, hey, this is what I need you to do. So you're right. that's my gotcha. advice to you, young brother. You're right. You're right. You're right. Do you hear that, to- Tenasis? Although, yeah, that's <laughs> There's the problem. nothing he can that's do. Pro- that's the Come problem. On. There's nothing he- What's the NASA's going to do? Get an eight-second violation. Come on. Styling and profiling. But how about, he's like, they said only three people are going to get blamed. Giannis, you, and Doc. Is Shaq wrong? No. They were, but, when but, they fired but Chris. But he's not sitting next to him on an airplane. He's not sitting with him at dinner. That's on live TV. That's why that show's great. Because Dame knows he has to listen to Shaq. He knows. Because of what Shaq has been and who Shaq is. He's got to listen to him. If I'd be taking that advice. So I, lo- I love that. And I love that, that Shaq put it out there for the people. They were in second place in the Eastern Conference. Three and a half games out of first place when they fired Griff. Now, they're in third place. Eight and a half games out of first place with Doc. Here's the thing about Doc. I get that you needed to hire somebody. I think Doc's done. Did you hear Reddick go off on Doc? Yes. I mean, out of nowhere, Reddick is like, and he played for him. And Reddick said it's always an excuse with him. There's no, always someone else's fault. There's no accountability. I'm like, wow. And even, right. even what Doc said about the guys, like I think fans eat that up a little bit. Like it's a little red meat for fans. It was like, you've been here 10 games now, fam. Don't put it, don't. And they're worse. They're way worse. They're worse. Than what they were before. They're not just not better. They're not just the same. They're worse. And the other thing is, is that don't let that smile fool you. Giannis is a killer. And he's, he might end up being a coach killer. But when you've won some titles and MVPs, you can, you can dictate some terms. He may have dictated terms that ruined his opportunity to win a championship this year. Speaking of coaches and accountability... One thing I did notice over the weekend, I was going to talk about this among some other things. We got plenty of we time have, tomorrow. We have, sh- and, and we have whole, shows the, the rest week of the week. Shows. I watched uh, college basketball. Yeah. I watched last night's game, Houston and uh, Iowa State. It's and, fun stuff. And you know, I want to talk to Boog about it. I'll tell you that there is, I, and I realized what is, I, I just can't get past, or for some reason, I'm just more aware of it and more bothered by it now in college basketball is the behavior of these coaches. Hmm. Just stop. Meaning what? Just stop. The, 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 the screaming and the posing and the, the shrieking and the riding of the officials. It's like you win a game. It's because you're a great tactician and a great recruiter. You lose it. It's the referee's fault. And everybody is just, why would anyone ever want to be a referee? When you got to deal with that crap. 
And it, it, it won't stop. It started with like, I mean, John Wooden didn't act like that. Yeah, it's, but it started with John Cheney did. He did, and Bobby Knight did, and, and Jim Bateman did, and John, Mike Krzyzewski. John Calipari. And, 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 I mean, a lot, but a whole generations did, but it's, it's just, it's really off-putting. Well, the gross part about it, one of the gross parts about it is there seems to be a lot of guys who haven't accomplished much that are doing it. Just the screaming and jumping up and down. Yeah, it's one thing. I, I don't know. You really have to do that. If, and if you have to, why? What does it say about you? Why can't you just coach your team and be a normal human being when it comes to dealing with the officials? Because in the, the, most the, most of those situations, that person is has gotten to where they are partially because of the way that they have acted. That's fine. But college basketball needs a hook because you don't know who's on any team. Everybody turns over and everybody's transferring. So now it's all about the coaches because the coaches are the only ones in the same spot. And so the camera's always on the coaches, always acting a fool. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, tomfoolery going on in college basketball over this weekend. Too many fights, a lot of weird stuff. Bet MGM and 670 The Score are honoring Hall of Famer Chris Chelios' career and retirement of his number seven jersey this Sunday. Mully and Haw will be broadcasting live at Kaiser Tiger from 12 to 3 p.m. The show is expected to feature a visit from Chris Chelios and other special guests. Come by and say hello before going to the game. That is this Sunday from 12 to 3 at Kaiser Tiger, located at 1415 West Randolph near United Center. BetMGM will also be celebrating by offering a $7 bonus bet to all customers in Illinois. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. How come everybody? (laughs) Oh, you had another one. He had another pun. How come everybody want to keep it like the Kaiser? Ah! I'm going to tell Layla not even to bother coming in tomorrow. <laughs> Parkinson's just, just Spiegel. Just me doing the bit for four hours. Big pun over here.